Live from the J.C. Newman Cigar Studio in Boston, Massachusetts, and the Gurkha Cigar Studio in beautiful British Columbia, welcome to the Smokin' Tobacco Show with your hosts, Matt Tobacco and Mitchell Santaga. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Smoking Tobacco Show. My name is Matt Tobacco from SmokingTobacco.com. I'm here in Boston, Massachusetts, in the J.C. Newman Cigar Studios, and I'm joined once again by our great friend from the north. That's right, it's Mr. Mitchell Santag in the Gurkha Cigar Studios in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. Um, the not-so-great white north in Vancouver, as we discussed before the show. Um, but uh, here he is, you know, as Coop calls him, Boy Wonder, you know. Um, he's here. So, how are you, Mitchell? You're not smoking tonight, which I'm a little peeved about. I'm not going to fucking lie to you, but, I mean, we're <laughs> here, so i got to deal with it. Yeah, I uh, I showed up. That was that was the best I could get tonight. Um, it is a beautiful day. Yesterday, a, pouring rain. Today, absolutely beautiful sunshine for the week. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, as you'll soon find out, babysitters can be unfortunately unreliable at times. And yeah. uh, oh, I believe it. And. Uh, yeah, you know, they just sometimes call. The yeah, and you get the shit thing. under the stick. I get it. I know. I'm just I, giving you a I hard can't. time. Don't, don't, don't take it personally, Mitch. You got to <laughs> no, have I some thicker skin. Uh, For sure. I know. I know. I know. You're good. You're good. But I just uh, like giving you a hard time because you know you. you I know, wish. I wish I was. You're smoking. easy. I, you're I, easy in, target. Yesterday, because I knew yesterday that they were sick, I actually specifically smoked the new Mikarita Black. Papa oh, Sonic. you have. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's nice. So what did you, I, what did, I, I what did you think it. of this cigar? Hold on. What did you think of it? You know, I, I don't want to give mu- too much away. I don't want to give too much away. I, keep, I enjoyed keep it. Keep it close to the vest. I get it. All right. I enjoyed it. You know, it's, uh, you know, Steve makes great stuff. I don't think I've You know, you don't have to kiss his ass just because he can hear you in the green room. I mean, you can, you can just say, you know, if it's <laughs> yeah, not good. Yeah, no. You do. <laughs> you know, I, I said the same thing about our guest last week, too. No. Um, I, I, uh, I don't think I have smoked anything... I've disliked from Steve. Let's okay. just say that there's definitely f- stuff that I've liked more or less. Uh-huh. Um, you know, uh, for me personally, the Red Meat Lovers Club, for example, not fully up my alley. I thought yeah. it would be. It's not for I've everybody. I smoked a couple vitolas. Not up my alley, but uh, but sin, um, you know, Mikarita, all of that. I, honestly, like the whole rest of the line is just. Is just lights out. I I haven't I haven't smoked every single one of his um, where they the uh, like the now leave me the hell alones and the oh moisture Dosaka yeah moistures moistures yeah. yes I haven't smoked all the moistures I think I've gotten my hands on one or two moistures again, uh you know each one so unique in itself being that you know whatever Steve's kind of it, do you know what it, I love about this rant I'm sorry to interrupt but do you know what I love about this rant right now what? is that this was supposed to be like unrelated to the rest of the show banter and right now what you're doing in front of a large audience um is you're just talking about how much you love steve just, just fanboying just fanboying, and and, you, know? and you know that's 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 a rookie move you know that's that's cigar <laughs> media 101 you know i mean you're you're getting, you you're getting ready to like you know i don't know i don't want to say it but you know it's like you're gonna drop <laughs> your load soon i mean i <laughs> You know, the show hasn't even started yet. I mean, you're getting all excited. Well, you know, <laughs> talking I, can't about smoke. I, got, and it's like, I can't smoke, so i got to reminisce about my I didn't even bring them in yet, and you're already getting all, you know. <laughs> I know. I know. You're excited. I know. You're excited. Yeah. It's all right. Well, let's bring them in. I don't want to keep the man in the cage anymore. Who here is over the age of 40 and remembers Kiss? 
Um, well, I know you're not you, Mitchell, but you are musically inclined, so I know you know. Uh, but for those older folks in the generations, um, all right, Detroit, you wanted the best. You got the best, the hottest man in the business, Steve Saka. I've never done that for anyone else, and I probably never will again. But there he is. It's Steve. It's Steve. You know, he's it's one of the biggest shows of the year we do is with Steve. I mean, it's, you know, it's Steve. Oh, hey. he's, he's a legend. And here he is on his phone, you know, like he's not even here. Important. He doesn't even care. What's going on, man? I got to, <laughs> you know. Dude, I'm, get, I'm getting crushed in my survival pool this year. My God. <laughs> Uh, Steve, so before you say anything, I'm going to set the tone for you, and then I'm going to let you take it how you want. If you don't like it, you can send it, on, you can send it right on back. Ron, All right. Bur Ron Burgundy said that once. This is not my words. This is Steve's words. I want to make this very clear. I, didn't, I thought his last appearance was great, and I didn't give him any shit for it, but he gave himself shit when I saw him at TPE. And all year that I've seen him, he has reminded me, that he was, was it not TPE? happy. I thought it was PCA. No, was you brought it up at TPE, and okay. you were like, I didn't like that episode. And then I saw you at PCA, and you're like, when are we doing that? Because I, I want my shot at redemption. And then I scheduled <laughs> you in. And, um, But you are the one who said, I want to redo the show. You were not happy with your appearance last time, even though it was great. I so. redo it. It's already there. People can go back and watch it. I just – You can compare I just, it. I just felt it was – I felt that I was listless. I felt that I wasn't really – doing what i normally do you know what i mean and i didn't watch it right because i already felt like it was a train wreck when i got off it so right. no no reason to go back and look at the gore again but i just i just knew when we were done i was kind of like yeah that was okay that wasn't all that good and the truth is i really blamed it on you because you're just a lousy interviewer but i didn't want to say that so i figured i'm gonna shoulder the burden say hey the show sucked it was me i was flat so you know, let, let's let's take another stab at this and see if we can make it a little punchier. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, look, you had, you, I know you you also were like, not, I don't want to say rushed, but we didn't have the time we wanted last time. I know you had the U boat U boat launch right after, so I, I, I you know, yeah, there, there was there was some stuff. Was that, was that when we did it? Was the U boat launch last year? Yeah. Okay. And you forgot, and like two days before, you're like, oh, I got to do the U boat, and I was like, well. I'm like, we could start it earlier. And you were like, okay. And, uh, but yeah, so here we are tonight. We got no, we got nothing else going on. We got plenty of time. I can ask you all the questions about all the cigars that we've been talking about all year. Does the drink? Because I don't have to go on and sling cigars for our friends yeah. at Rockies. Right? Yeah. So, you know, what, what do you got? Noah's Mill? No, tonight I am drinking um, Lagavulin uh, Distillers Edition. Oh, okay. Ooh. Very nice. Very nice. Some lager. Yeah. How do you find it compared okay. to you know the classic sixteen? Um. So the the distiller's edition, it's finished in those Pedro Jimenez, uh, casks. Yeah, PX casks. Um. Right. So it's got that kind of sherry finish to it. So it, it kind of softens it. It mellows it. It uh, it cuts down on the amount of smoke and peatiness. Now, log is probably my favorite distillery. So like three of my top probably 20 scotches the 16 i like the new offerman edition a lot and i like this one a lot so it's it's genuinely one of my favorite favorites but i think of the three varieties i think this one pairs the best with cigars because 
it knocks the smokiness of the peat down a touch and it increases the sweetness level and sweet always goes better with cigars so it's uh it's one of my favorite sipping scotches when i when i smoke a cigar yeah i'd say in general uh lug is probably in in terms of islas probably my go-to you know that that 16 i've i've had the freugard bag a few others um i i think it's I think it comes out the most balanced, even at the 16, yeah. compared to a lot of the other now, stuff. If you're, if you're a heavy Isla guy, they'll say it doesn't smoke enough, right? They, yeah, exactly. They always, they always go for the art bag. They go for the Lafroy. Yeah. They go for the crazy Octomora, whatever it is. I can't oh, even yeah. pronounce it. You know what I mean? But I don't think that, and as much as I love all those scotches, I don't think they pair as well with a cigar because I think they just tend to overpower it. You know what I mean? Where with this distiller's edition being softened in the sherry cast for the finishing. I think it just helps provide a little bit more balance and it lets the cigar, it gives you a better contrast in my opinion. That's fair. Are you drinking Matt? I'm not actually. I, um, I'm going to be honest with you. I it totally spaced on it and I wish that I had grabbed some bourbon actually, cause this is a great night for it. Uh, and I forgot. I forgot. Well, you can go get some now. We'll wait. Now look, these people will wait. What else I got to do? It's in the cold. She'll bring you a dram. If it's a Wednesday night and they're watching us, they don't <laughs> got that shit to do. So for you to steal away for a minute or two to go grab a bottle, it'll be fine. <laughs> they won't care. Well, apparently Nicole's watching and she's already offered to get me something. So if she, she, if, if, she if she was to bring me Let's see. Well, now you're making demands. Like you're like, just be happy she's bringing you something. <laughs> <laughs> now you're like, well, I'd really like her to bring me. <laughs> God. You know there is there is an there there might be an open bottle of E. H. Taylor small batch, um, or a smoke wagon small batch. Surprise me. That's what I'll say. Boom. There Boom. It is. Boom. Let's see what let's see what let's see what happens. I don't know. Delicious stuff. Bring it, Taylor, one of my favorite bourbons of all time. In the Blanton's glass because it's got that. I like that oh glass. My God, <laughs> dude, you really are pushing it. Princess, Princess Matthew. Well, I, I think I think I know. I, I think after today, I think I've, I've earned that. So I'm just gonna uh, I'm just gonna uh, <laughs> throw that out there. But you know, anyway, we'll see what happens. You know, and maybe we can all get drunk together. Well, I don't know, Mitchell, you're not drinking, right? I forgot. No, uh, I'm not. This is not pure vodka. This is this is just water. Okay, all right. I just want to make no sure. No cigars, no booze. What is this like the Mormon cigar podcast? What is this? <laughs> this is this is cigars brought to you by Canada, where taxes stop you from doing anything. <laughs> That's true, though. The sad thing is, it's true. <laughs> it's insane. Steve, I'll get drunk with you. It's all good. We'll 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 do this. We got we got time. In fact, Nicole already told me she's like, "Listen, Steve's coming on tonight. Take your time." I'm like, oh, "All right, well, thank you, Nicole." Yeah, see, she was thinking about you. She didn't want you to feel rushed this time. So, there you go. You know. What did we even? What did we light up tonight? Well, I'll tell you what we're lighting up, and uh, I can't tell you what we're lighting up without talking about some of our friends. Mitchell, you know who we're talking about. Who are we talking about? The number two guys cigars. That's right. The number two guys cigars.com. One of the and the biggest and best place 
to buy your cigars. That's right, with an amazing collection of cigars and cigar accessories from all over the industry. It's only at the number two guys cigars.com. That's where you need to go. And if you like Steve's cigars, that's one of the best places to go because I think, and Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you know the answer, I think they carry just about everything you make. Yeah, they carry a pretty wide plethora. Yep. Uh, it goes in and out of stock, but uh, they if they're out of stock, they tend to replenish uh, pretty pretty promptly. Yeah, they're pretty good about it. I mean, it very you know, you have to say uh, they're my local shop up here too. Most people probably know who they are. Thank you very much. Um, look at that deliveries here. Bing. It's like drizzly, you know. <laughs> Got the tailor. Don't forget to tip your server. Oh, she'll get tipped. She'll get tipped. Um, don't worry. She'll get taken care of. Um, I didn't even bring that up. I don't even like where that's at. I know. See? <laughs> you did it. You did it, Steve. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, top-notch organization, twoguyscigars.com. Um, head over there now today. Uh, I am smoking the Papasaka. You guys, I know you know this. I don't have to tell you anything about it because Steve probably will, um, most likely. But... I got it right here. Fantastic cigar. This just came out. Steve, when did these ship? August? So these are these are nice and fresh. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's when we started shipping them August. I, it all it all kind of blends together. I can't remember anything anymore. Yeah. The older I get, a lot of release, the more I a lot of releases that. this year. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of releases. A lot of stuff. Yeah. There's a lot a to lot digest with you, Steve. Stupid amount, actually. You think it was, I would have was it too much? Do you think it was too much? You personally? Way, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it almost killed me, and it's not even over. I still got we got Halligan dropping as a store exclusive. I've got Popetta sitting in my warehouse that I haven't even shipped yet, even though we got tons of orders for it. Um, we've got uh, the Holiday Stillwell still dropping, and we got something else. What? Oh, Wagashi. So there you go. Oh, I got four. That's, that's got, for this year. Yeah, so I got four more cigars to still totally different blends to pump out and we're we're still in the process of shipping red meat lovers and the initial orders of krakatoa so yeah it's it's been a it's been a if you actually add it all up i think i did it like a few months ago i think we came up with like 23 different things this year wow it's insanity yeah it's epic insane. Here. that's epic crazy here. it's too much to be honest with you it just just kind of the way things worked you had the covid backup so things got kind of slowed up, right? And then everybody's been waiting so long for whatever it was. And then you have all the repeat shop exclusives because they never seem to die, right? They're like, what, Chucky or something? I mean, they just don't go away. And, and it's, just, it's, just, it's just too much. It's a, look, next year, uh, next year, everybody's been going, is Sokka dead? Because I, there's not nearly as We'll still have a lot of interesting stuff. But it's nothing like this year. This year is this year is the watershed moment. In fact, I don't know that there'll ever be another year like this year, because just commercially, it's like uh, there's only you can only sell these retailers so many cigars. They only have so much shelf space. And it'd be okay if something like was sucky and was dying, and then they would be like taking that piece of shit off the shelf and replacing it with my new piece of shit. But that isn't the, that isn't the case. So. It just gets to a point where uh, the portfolio has just gotten so large that it becomes a bit overwhelming. Yeah, I could see that. And I remember we had this conversation 
I don't know if it was when you were on the show last time or if it was in one of the trade show interviews, but I remember we briefly talked and it was right after, I think it was in like 21, 22. Uh, no, it must, it, no, because last year you were on the show, so I think it was, it was like a trade show, like 21. Um, okay. And I remember you saying like, you know, the next few years, you know, back, you know, back then, the next few years, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see because there's going to be a lot of stuff that, you know, kind of comes out prices of the cigars and tobacco and operating costs and inflation all going to go up. Um, and all that came true. I mean, we, we, we've watched that happen the last couple right. of years. So, I mean, you were really spot on with that and, and, you know, it's true. We, we, we saw a kind of quietness at the 21 show. I think people were, you know, like, okay, this COVID thing, all right, are we out of the woods yet? And then 22 people were starting to feel comfortable again. And then 23, we got to the show and it was just like, I, I mean, you had a lot, but you weren't the only one. I don't think anyone had quite as much as you did, but there was a lot of brands out there that, that dropped, you know, multiple lines, core lines, plus a limited edition um, right. that we saw. So yeah, it, it was, it was a heavy year uh, all around. Yeah. And, the, and the funny part is, I mean, it's been relatively a down year. So, I mean, compared and contrasting to 21, 22, so it's been even more, you have more new product in the marketplace, but yet the competition has been even fiercer. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's like, I, I mean, the fact that we've managed to do as well as we, as we have done, we were just, we were just, we're just peaking at the right moment. You know what I mean? So you come into a year that's a down year, but we're also peaking simultaneous. So we get to, we get to basically bypass the down year. And we get to have an amazing year, but across the board, I mean, I don't know what people say out loud, but I know what they say behind the scenes. And it's been a rough year for a lot of companies. Yeah, it really has. And uh, and I mean, it's not dismal. The world's not falling apart or anything. But at the same time, it's for most companies. You know, mo most companies are below their twenty-two numbers. I mean, we're we're up way up double digits. But again, it's just because we're small and peaking you know what i mean i mean i hope we're not peaking i hope we still got more room to go but we're, we're in that um call it the hockey stick moment you know what i mean right so so for us it, it worked out okay but yeah it's a it's a crazy year and you also have to look you're you're also constantly just when you have so much what do you talk about do i talk about red meat lovers do i talk about Mike rita black do I talk about the new Krakatoa? Do I talk about Popetta? Do I talk about the two new sizes in Yubo? Do I talk about this Halligan thing that I barely talked about at all? You know what I mean? It's like, yep. it's such a laundry list of stuff. And I mean, and, and, and like two of the exclusives this year, because they were the second year, were even better than the original year. So the Barba Amaria that we released this year was better than the Barba Amaria we released last year. And the Feral 100s that we released this year were better than the Feral 100s last year, and that's just kind of uh, and that's just kind of normal because you know once you go through that first production, I start to say okay we can do a little better, we can change this slightly, we can make it a little tighter. Still the same cigar, but just better, you know, better seasoned. So uh, so even the stuff that was uh, the repeat release stuff uh, was better. I mean. Don Derma Golden Child. I mean, that that just that just kind of was like a blink of the eye. Now, so it's it's been a it's been a tough year because it's it's very hard from a messaging point of view to know 
what to focus on. And it becomes hard for the retailers too. You know, you know, we got the Mickey Rita book, the blue and the black unicorn. Couldn't just have one. No, I had to do both. You know what I mean? It's like a, just kind of a glutton for punishment. Yeah, that's true. I remember when you made that first post with everything you were bringing to the PCA, and I saw the two unicorns. I go, wait a minute, he's got two unicorns he's bringing? Wow. And, you know. But part of it's because I know the consumers, right? The There's going to be a group of people who are going to absolutely love the black unicorn. Of course. There's going to be a group of people who are going to absolutely love the blue unicorn. And there'll be a few people that love both. But most consumers aren't that way. Most consumers have a kind of a profile of what they like to smoke, right? And you couldn't get two more divergent brands. Divergent, the right word? Or am I just using that improperly? You couldn't get two more different blends than the Brulee Blue blend versus the Mike Rita Black blend, right? right? So it's like for like almost two totally different consumers for the majority of consumers. So it was kind of why I'm like, you know, I want to do both. So that way there's something for the mild creamy guys. And then there's also something for the strong full body guys. And if you need that spoon fed to you, for those listening at home, that means that Steve is thinking about you. You know, he's. he's oh, and I'm also thinking of my bank account. So let's not let's well, not think this is some sort of charitable act or anything. One hand not. washes the other, Steve. Right. Yeah. <laughs> let's not forget. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it was it was exciting to see. It was cool to see, and I know those of all mo- most of that stuff has all dropped now at retailers. Um, and you also made another announcement recently, which we'll get into in a moment. And then I have some other questions about some other projects um, to talk about. But I don't even know if I asked you, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, so we can wrap this wrap this part of the show up, what are you smoking? Uh, I'm smoking Krakatoa. Okay. All right. Nice. That's a good cigar. Um, and as I, always... I this you would have been smoking it yeah would have keyword would have but you're, but you're not i knew it was going to be a nice long show but uh i don't know if you could handle that cigar those, that's that's those, those, too age, much you. those age out so beautifully i literally smoked one when did i smoke one? i smoked one recently oh, i think it was when i was in california we had that dinner and it's so rare that i get a chance to sit down and smoke a paladin because it's such a long cigar and it's so expensive and i just mm-hmm. don't want to waste it and I actually had the opportunity at the dinner because it was one of the cigars we served at the dinner to smoke one. Yeah. And I just, and I remember as I was finishing, I, I looked at laughter, I go, man, this is fucking great, man. I mean, this is like really, really, really good. It just, they age out so nicely. Um, it's a really, I know I'm being self-serving here, but it was genuinely, <laughs> it was one of those, you know, when a cigar is really good, how you just kind of, you stop and you pause and you look at it kind of like why is this one so good you know what i mean you kind of like turn it in your hand and you just kind of keep staring at it like okay these are good but why this one is it so good and i was having that kind of like moment when it was it was they really they age out so nice in How fact I'm gonna, I'm gonna increase the aging time even longer i think you know what's funny is there's two times that i got william cooper to come to me and say you were right and both of those times involve each of those involved one of your cigars. Really? And yes. And specifically it was, and we've talked about this, so this isn't like a secret or anything. We, we've talked about this on the other show. Let me um, bet on what one of them is before you say it out loud. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. This will be fun. Bet one of them was the Sin Compromiso blend. Yes. 
Yeah, I, I think I think for most media blogger guys, they just didn't get it. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't like super strong and super robust, and there wasn't like super strong notes, but yet it wasn't mild and creamy and light and effervescent. It was kind of this thing in the middle, and it had a lot of like like light nuances. And it just I think it got lost on a lot of on a lot of bloggers when they first smoked it in the mix of everything else that was new. And I think I think quite a few I know it's true with consumers, like it obviously shot out like a cannon when it first came out, but I'm seeing it in my own numbers. A lot of people are now coming back to sing compromiso, go, wow, this really is an amazing cigar and it has a place for them in their portfolio. And I think that's true with some of the media people too. Not that it got bad reviews. It didn't, but it didn't get as warmly welcomed as some of my other releases. So it was two different cigars that I smoked and I said, wow, this is really good. This, you know, I think at the time, wow, this, this has a chance to be on the list this year. And Coop said, I don't think so. And I said, "Hmm, okay. Six months later on each of those occurrences, he came back to me and said, no, you were right. That cigar put a little bit of age, totally different. That cigar is fucking fantastic. And I go, really? And one of them was Paladin, and the other right. one was Saka Khan. Mm. And he came to me, and he was like, you were right. Those were good. And I said, I told you. I told you. So I have two I told you so's with William Cooper, and both of them involve you. So that's... I don't know. I always find it pretty interesting. Actually, there might have been a third one. No, maybe. Maybe I came close. But there's definitely two for sure. And they were both both involving you. And I said, I told you, cigars were good. Well, the other thing, too, is, you know, so as well, most people assume that I would get an inherent bias that would be positive with the media. It actually works the other way around. Because the more popular and better you're doing there's almost a contrarian nature to the way a lot of these media sites work. You know what I mean? That they don't want to go the way that a lot of other people are swimming. You know what I mean? So oddly enough, it, uh, it actually can work against you. In fact, I don't know when it's going to happen. This could be the year that it happens, but there's going to be a point where I'm not going to make the top of the consensus list, right? Eight straight years been crushing that list last year we really destroyed it one number one number three and number five that's never going to happen again that's a fluke of nature but there's going to be a point where i might even get in the top 10 right and it will then the story will be the demise of steve Saka, and that will be celebrated for a good (laughs) year to two years and then i'll make something and then they'll let me back into the clubhouse it's just it's the cycle of the way these things go, right? And, and you get the same thing. You, you get it from media guys. You get it from retailers. Look, we have a lot of retail accounts that love us. But we have a lot who we're unwilling to open that just think we suck. So as a byproduct, they're going to always say that whatever we do suck. And then you have consumers. There are some consumers that genuinely don't like what we make. And I can understand that. Look, cigars are personal, right? But we don't make garbage, Okay, it's a question of whether you like this profile, you like that profile, you like this drink, but I don't think anyone could say we make substandard cigars. I think we make at the top tier, but you're going to see more, more as the company becomes more popular and the brand becomes more known, 
you're actually going to see more negative because people just like to be that way, even if they don't really feel it's negative. There's some that legitimately do. Okay. I don't want to take away from their opinion, but it's also human nature. So there's a point where the pendulum's going to swing the other way. You know, what you're hoping is you're hoping as a manufacturer that the consumers at this point have gotten to the point that they've tried enough and they've made up their own mind and they're no longer looking for guidance from other people to tell them what they should think is good and what they shouldn't think is good. And, that, and that's what you're hoping. You're hoping to get beyond that hurdle, you know, but who knows? But it, it definitely swings. It, it always does. Well, it's kind of like that. <clears throat> Uh, that old adage of it's human nature. We we like to build people up and then tear them down, and that's just kind of it's just kind of what happens. No matter you know what what the theme is, it's just we build things up and then we break them down. And right now it's like you build up GTT and then there will be a there'll be a crumbling of DTT and then you you can emerge from the ashes and and we're on your way back into the clubhouse like you said, and everything will be fine again. It's just the yeah, circle of I life. Said, I said I'm alive long enough to get to that. Yeah. Or, you know, your other saving grace is if Charlie decides he's done with the consensus, as he's been saying for the last couple of years, and then, you know, you go out on top and it's like, well, you didn't have to have a year where you missed the consensus because there isn't one. He stopped stopped the consensus because of me. That would be my story. (laughs) And I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I he, and I remember last year he was like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to keep doing the consensus. It kind of gets like really difficult. It's a lot of work. And I know Charlie and I like Charlie a lot. And I almost want to be like, Charlie, is it just because you get finding it harder and harder to justify why Steve gets number one every year? <laughs> I don't but, get number one every year, but I have been in the top three all eight years. Or Yeah, you're right. I've yeah, been, I've been, I've been number one, number two for like seven years. And I had one year where I got number three. So, you know, um, those are still good numbers. I, I, I like the consensus because it's not perfect. Okay. But what I like about it is it's not any one reviewer's opinion. It's a combination of them just taking an average of all of the reviewers. That doesn't mean that all the reviewers that are in the average are good. Okay. But guess what? All the consumers don't have great palates, right? All the retailers don't have great palates. So, I like the fact that it's a, just a much more egalitarian snapshot. The whole ranking of, you know, one through whatever, 2025, 20, that's very arbitrary, okay? Uh, part of it, too, is, look, obviously uh, more people smoke my cigars because they get a lot more clicks on the reviews. So as a result, I get a lot more reviews than a lot of other people. But at the same time, if the reviews sucked then it wouldn't let me stay at the top. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a double-edged sword, whether more reviews help you or hurt you. It really just depends on the content of the review as to whether it ultimately does. Um, But I I think that uh, there is no, all ratings, all rankings, everything is inherently biased. Even, you know, sometimes you could argue it's because of money. Sometimes you could argue it's because of relationship. Sometimes you can argue it's, but I think I'm just going to take it at a sincere level. And just assume that everybody has different palates and different tastes, right? So therefore, what one reviewer, look, I know with Charlie, Charlie tends to prefer milder cigars. I know that Brooks prefers heavier cigars, right? So I know when I see a half-wheel review, first thing I look at is the name who's reviewing it, right? I know that my number is going to be three points different 
compared to whether Charlie or Brooks does it. And it's not that neither one of them are being sincere about their number. It's just they have different likes and wants and desires in what they consider to be a really exceptional cigar. It's just it's just the way it is. And that's the way it should be too, right? Like that's, I think that's what people want to read is what is our opinion? What did we get out of the cigar? And if that reader aligns with that, then they should read that and follow that, right? Like that's, I think. I saw, even... I saw a YouTube review today of Don Derma or Golden Child. Reviewer hated it. Literally hated the cigar. Okay. Loves Don Derma, hates Don Derma Golden Child. Too peppery, too harsh, too sharp, too this, too that. The regular Don Derma loves the regular Don Derma, the subtleties and the nuance and the balance. Truth is, these are two very different cigars that are blended to be very different experiences. So for another smoker, they're going to say, wow, Golden Child's way better than regular Don Derma. You know what I mean? And vice versa. There's no way that somebody, now, some way, some smokers may be able to appreciate both for what they are, but most people can't. Most people have what they like and what they don't like, and this is the prism in which they make their opinions and their judgments, and that's just part of reviews. I mean, that's what it is. Exactly, for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, Kevin and Mitchell mostly do all the reviews here, and then there's uh, possibly another that we'll be doing them as well. Um, and I like to think that, you know, they each have their strengths and weaknesses. They both have their likes and dislikes that are unique to them. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that Mitchell likes that Kevin was like, meh, and vice versa. Um, you know, and I think, you know, and you, but you do need that, especially within the media. You know, you need that balance of, you know, having a a diverse, you know, especially palette-wise, a diverse team of reviewers who are all going to do things differently and they're going to rate the same cigar differently um and you know back to why i like the consensus yeah Yeah, because it's an average of 30 different review sites sure of course of course and you know in in a perfect world that's how it always should be but unfortunately it can't always be like that um and so like you said i mean it depends on who reviews the cigar and, and you know I'm sure there's a lot of people who you know who review cigars, and you can tell by the name, not just you know Charlie and Brooks, but you know Coop, uh, Aaron Loomis, all the all the others, the, the, you know the guys at Dojo, and you know it, yeah, I mean you kind of you get you, you kind of get to know based on the history of the things that they reviewed, what they rated it, like where they tend to lean. I know that Eric at Dojo is much more receptive to a mild cigar than some of the other people on the Dojo panel. There's other people in the dojo panel that just when it's a mild cigar, oftentimes are kind of like, yeah, you know, doesn't doesn't float my boat, you know. So, yeah, but I think and that's why I think, you know, as a consumer, you just kind of look at all these ratings and rankings and top lists and kind of just use them as guides to say, okay, here's something I'm interested in trying. Here's something that should be on my radar. You know what I mean? But you you can't take them as gospel. Like it's none of them are. I don't even have a top list that's gospel within my own brand. It depends on my mood of the moment as to what I think is best. And sometimes I smoke and I go, man, that, that wasn't all that great. You know what I mean? So, but I might smoke that same cigar three weeks later and it's just right for the moment, just right for what I'm drinking, just right for how I'm feeling. And, it, and it's, oh, wow, this is a great cigar. So you just got to kind of 
you can't, you, and that's the beauty of having so much diverse media is it isn't like in the old days where CA Cigar Aficionado was the Bible. Everything they said was the absolute final truth as to what's the best cigar. You know what I mean? Right. And now because there's so many different people out there, um, and then on top of the, the different you know media sites that you have, now every consumer in the world is a reviewer. Everybody has social media access. You get to comment on every picture posted, whether you liked it or whether you think it sucks. So, I mean, individual consumers now end up having their two cents heard too. It's true. And, you know, I think we saw a great influx the last couple of years of the cigar community and the industry side of it being a lot more in tune with social media, both with the consumers, with the manufacturers. I mean, people like yourself who's very in tune with social media. You're very connected with the consumer base and everyone out there. Um, brands have started, you know, groups and stuff like that. And you're right. And there's just, there's a lot more involvement and there's a lot more discussions happening. And that whole, you know, what used to be only in the cigar lounge when you'd sit in the lounge with five other guys and you'd all be smoking different shit and you'd all be saying like, oh, I like this. Or you have that. Or, oh, you know this guy. Now everyone's doing it online and it's just, it's constant every day and everyone has an opinion or everyone's trying, you know, to, to spread the gospel, so to speak, and of their own right, you know, and it is, there's a, there's a lot out there. Um, it's a much different time now. But in the end, you just have to try these things yourself and you decide what you like and what you don't like. Yeah, and I mean, when we when we do a review and or you know we make our cigar of the year list, you know, it's it's us trying to put together, you know, the list, you know, at least you know, the list is, you know, what we thought was the best that year, and you know, we put we put a lot of thought into it, and you know, and sure, there's things that maybe get missed or maybe some, well, some people thing, agree you with, but so much, right? So it, it's it's limited to it's the best of what you happen to smoke. It's true. Out of the last year, even you know what I mean, because there's hundreds of new things every year. Of course, and of course, you can't smoke at all. You can't. And we've had no. that discussion. It, it's you know we we, we make a we make a, a general light list of certain things we want to hit, and then other stuff after that. And at the end of the year, we look and see you know, what did we get? You know what what did we have? What can we still you know still try and but it's hard. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of cigars to get released during a year, and even even with a team, I mean, not everyone's going to get to smoke everything. It's it's rough. Um, and you, but you do the best you can. You know, that's that's all you can do. And and make a recommendation to people like, hey, you know what? This is our list. You should try these. But you know, try some other stuff too. But you know, yeah, that's my two cents on it. Maybe I'm a little biased. I don't know. I do media, so uh, I like to think that you know the list should have, you know, some serious weight to it. But at the end of the day, you I know. think the only thing that you can say about when you make a list is that it was done in good faith. Yeah. If you, if you can say it was done in good faith and that it was sincerely what your opinion was, I, I think you've done good. I don't think you could ask for anything more than that. Of course. I agree with that. And uh, yeah, I mean, do it in good faith, no bias. Uh, everyone gets a fair shot. That's the only way. And then you move on and you work on the next year uh, and you do it all over again. There'll be, there'll be a hundred new cigars next year too. Yeah, that's right. You just, keep, just do it all over again. Start from scratch. Uh, I got to touch up my cigar. Uh, it's not really on a construction issue. Just, just me. Um, but I'm using, I'm using an SD DuPont lighter. That's right. Our friends at SD DuPont 
um, are with us always using all of their cutters and lighters on every show. That's what we do. SD DuPont, be exceptional. Uh, tonight I'm using the Defi Extreme in the new Petrol Blue. That's a matte blue finish. This is a new color scheme uh, introduced earlier this year um, at the trade show. These are now on retail store shelves featuring that, that beautiful... It's the model, that's different color, but yeah, it's the model, Defi like Extreme. This is actually a pretty good torch lighter. I actually it is. like it. It's nice. And you know what? For for only two torches, it lights some pretty beefy sticks too. Okay. Like, wow. Mine's only one. Oh, it's one? Mine's a single flame. Oh. Yeah, there's uh yeah, there's a single and a double flame version of it. I think the double flame is a newer model then. Yes. Yeah, I think they changed it to two. So that might have been a, that must be an older model. What okay. I like about it is it has a big sight window. You can't tell because of the light here. I know, it's right? Got a really big fuel sight window. It holds a considerable amount of fuel. I like that. What I don't like about it as a manufacturer, there's no place to put your brand name on this thing. Why did you want to do? <laughs> did you want to do some branded DTT? Uh, DuPont yeah, if you did, but I mean, they they really weren't thinking about that when they designed it. You know what I mean? Because of the way the wings come in that are like bolted onto it, there's yeah. Not a lot of, there's not a lot of surface area. Well, Les Man usually watches this show, so I'm, I'm sure he'll hear he'll hear your con, your he'll concerns. Complain about it at least a dozen times. Trust me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know he'll he'll put that in the uh, I don't care bin and he'll move on. Right. <laughs> oh, Steve doesn't <laughs> like it. That's it, too bad. It just bought. They don't they don't need my two sets. They're doing just fine. <laughs> They were doing five before I was born. They'll do fine after I'm dead. You so. imagine that discussion the next day? Hey, so Steve Saka last I was on a show. Really? Yeah, he was talking yeah. about Duffy Extreme. What did he say? Not a fan of it because of the branding. Well, fuck oh, him. Well, All right. Thanks, it's a great lighter. I just <laughs> wish there was more branding surface on it. <laughs> anyway, uh, you could get the Maxi Jet. That's that's got plenty of room for branding. You could do that. <laughs> Oh man, Steve. One of the things I wanted I want to ask you about this first, just because this is kind of the newest thing. Uh, earlier, last week. Sorry, I had to think about it. Uh, all the days start to bleed together. Last week, you announced that you were going to be making some slight tweaks to the Sober Mesa line. Uh, yeah. You were going to be giving a name to the original line as to right. you know better differentiate, which is going to be known as the Solita, if I said that correctly. Right. Um, yeah, which... I just made the word up for like little son. It's not a real word. Oh, you made that up. <laughs> yeah, totally a bullshit name. Okay, slang. That's yeah, it's, it's slang. It's it's uh, me. It's me butchering Spanish is what that is. Well, look, they add ita to everything to mean small, right? Yeah. So solita, little son. So it's pretty. It's pretty obvious to me. So, uh, but yes, we're um, yeah, because you know it becomes hard to describe the original sober mesa because. You end up calling it the old one. That's not that's not a very appealing thing for a for a retailer to explain to a consumer. You got sober mesa brulee. Oh, and then there's the old one. It's kind of like, you know, so it, it needed it needed to have something to just make it make without brulee, it was fine. But once we added brulee, it really needs some sort of descriptor to separate it. So when you're talking about sober mesa, which sober mesa are you talking about? Yeah, and I remember putting that article together, and I remember you know you saying like how it didn't do it justice, calling it the the old one. And I agree, it's kind of like you know 
oh yeah that old one like it kind of waters it down and it's like no it's still a great cigar like it deserves the respect of having its own name and uh you know i think it also really helps differentiate it like steve said just the fact that like you if you didn't have a band on them you wouldn't like they're such different uh you know rappers they first of all and the there is still that core that core smoking experience from the both of them but when like a lot of people i think the brulee has really overshadowed the now solita and i think now with it honing its own name it might actually see a bit of a resurgence right of people being like oh there is this og sober mesa that it's based on we still sell more sober mesa original old ones Okay, it grows every year, but look, brulee is definitely the winner if we put them in a knife fight in the octagon. But part of that's because, look, 50% of the market smokes mild Connecticut shade cigars, right? So you, you like, you've got such a bigger pool of smokers, right, that are going to be attracted to brulee just from the get-go to even try it. So there's no way that the, the original one, I think, could ever outpace it just by the sheer size of the market that's available when you talk about a milder Connecticut shade cigar, but it, it, it does need a differentiation. And then the other problem with the line is the fact that it's still in the original 25 count boxes and cigar prices and costs have so much escalated that it's become a very difficult box purchase for a lot of customers. You know, it's just too big a bite. And so, and it's also very confusing to the retailers because I keep forgetting that the ones in a 25 count box and the others in a 13 count box and they just would like them all to be in the same count box. And I understand why. Um, so just while we're going to make the change in the quantity in the box, let's just go ahead and add this little extra moniker to give better differentiation to just make the story a little cleaner for the retailers and for the consumers. You know, because there's a lot of consumers that they're just getting exposed to Dunbarton for the very first time right now. They've never heard of Dunbarton. Yeah, I know we've talked about this, you know, a bunch of times on different shows over the years. You know, it, and this isn't a this isn't a bad thing either. But, you know, the the average consumer, you know, who goes into a shop, maybe not very frequently, but frequent enough, you know, they go into a shop and they browse around they look at cigars they have a cigar maybe they have the sober mesa and you know they come in the next time and you know they don't remember exactly they see the brulee but they just remember sober mesa they have and they go oh this isn't what i had last time and you know right. people people get confused and, and it's not even just with you this whole thing so get confused after this i mean i mean come on we're talking about they don't remember names they don't remember anything you have no idea how many consumers walk into a cigar store say, yeah, Bob, uh, remember? It was like a really big, dark Maduro cigar with like a star on it. Oh, okay. well, yeah, that, of course, too. Yeah. And then it turns out that it really wasn't. It actually had a bird on it. But, oh, yeah, no, no, no. It's the one with the bird, not the star. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's crazy. Hey, I'm going to step up for a moment. I got to turn this fan on. It's getting warm in here. Go so, ahead. Do your thing. You guys, uh, you guys talk amongst your – what is that, coffee talk? Sure. Coffee talk. Yeah, coffee talk. I mean, I'm going to make it bourbon talk, and Mitchell's just going to sit there with his water like he's in the fifth grade. Um, yeah, there he is. Water's good. You look like you're in the fifth grade, too, which I think is great. It really adds to my point. I've, uh, so I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about this live on the internet. Oh, but I'm currently, what do you got? currently fasting. And uh, so I'm actually going to be even smaller than I was previously. Hold on, stop. 
Let me ask you a question. Why are you fasting? Yeah. Is, is there like a, a real health reason that you need to? Because there is a reason. Although I am not a big person, no, I eat an insane amount of food very quickly. As you have, I seen. do know. I saw. I and saw. I saw this kid take down a bone-in New York strip it, in like like minutes, single-digit minutes. Very. It's very unhealthy. The amount of food I eat at the speed I eat it at. So I'm doing it mainly to break some eating habits. I'm not planning to do it long term, and I'm definitely not doing it to lose weight of any some sort because I definitely don't need to do that. No. But it's mainly it's, it's mainly to break that. Um, well, I, again, and slowly go back to regular meals of eating three times a day. But yeah, I'm currently fasting, and part of that is why I'm not drinking, or else I actually would be. Um, You'd but, be shit faced uh, by now. I would yeah. possibly. And I assume yeah, you were doing it because taxes were so high. You needed more money for cigars and food. So you got to cut down the food budget. Honestly, that that is part of it too. I've stopped buying bottles. I used to buy bottles more frequently, and like a, we just increased our alcohol tax just like six months ago. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, just. It's great living here. I love it. Um, well, I was gonna say, yeah, you know, you, uh, you 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 got, you know, you you, you guys got free health care. <laughs> Good, yeah. In quotation marks. <laughs> oh, something's wrong with you, and you're not dying. Oh, we'll see you in two years, I guess. Well, Mitchell, I was gonna say, you know, you were born with, uh, you know, two very, you know, strong food-based heritages that, you know, it yep. makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're Chinese and Italian. I mean. Yeah, I like to eat. I mean, it's it's just it's just yeah, I, it's just who you are. You were born that way. It's how it was meant to be. I've I've also combined it with part of it is I I would eat an insane amount of carbohydrates. Uh oh, like, Nicole's again, here. She's pasta and rice is like was like my a huge part of my diet, and I've and I've learning to not like crave that, you know, because it's it's hard, man. I like I just love pasta so much and. <laughs> Nicole's comment right there explains why a man and a woman are different. Okay, <laughs> what makes perfect sense. My wife is gender, literally just a complete like. Are you are you kidding me? I mean, well, it's like no concept of how we Hoover food. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, so. yes, that's perfectly rational, Nicole. Yes. <laughs> I've had this discussion where she, she doesn't get it. Like, you know, I just, hey, we like to eat. I mean, it's just, it's just how it is. I mean, we I like to eat. I had this conversation with Cindy. No matter how big a package is, that's a single serving. If you open yep. the package, that is a serving, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if it's those 100-calorie snack packs, that's a box of 100-calorie snack packs that equal a serving. You know, it's funny. I talked about this a lot. You know, when we when we got to PCA uh, this year, I was at the airport and I was waiting for my bags at the baggage claim at McCarran or uh, Henry, Harry Reid now, whatever they call it. Um, and, and fucking Jose Blanco comes wandering around the carousel. And I go, oh, look, it's Jose. And, you know, Jose comes around and, oh, hey, Matthew, how you doing? Oh, you really put on some pounds. And I'm like, thanks, Jose. <laughs> But I said to him, I go, I like to eat. I mean, you know, like, who doesn't? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this is true. We, uh, we, we, went to, we went to a steakhouse with Mitchell, and he got a, a decent-sized steak, bone and everything. And I remember I looked over, and that bone was 
clean. And the rest of us still had half a steak on our plate. And I, I was going to say, I already think done? Everyone, and he's everyone like, else was yeah. about halfway. And I also ate two plates of sides alongside that. Dude, so. he did. He ate a lot. Yeah. So it's going well so far. I've learned to tame myself, and I think I'll be able to hopefully I mean, bring this what on. What sort of fasting time. schedule are you on, Mitchell? I mean, are you doing like intermittent fasting like once a day? Or are you like you're yep. doing three days of nothing but water? And then you, I'll be you currently I'm going to be doing great a, questions, a 20, 20 off food and then a four hour on okay. where I usually um, alongside a extremely low. I wouldn't want to call it fully keto because I don't That's I don't so go fully keto, but um, a lot. It is very meat based, but I tend to go with leaner meats, whereas keto is like right. bacon and fatty meats. Um, right. And uh, it just helps me you're feel still, full you're longer. Still eating some starchy vegetables like. Maybe oh, not yeah. potatoes. Well, potato isn't really yeah. a vegetable, but but I mean, you're not saying, oh, I can't yeah. have any green beans. I can't have carrots. Exactly. Right. Oh yeah, I and, eat carrots. Yeah, I eat. What I eat about all that stuff, yeah. like fruit? Right? You can still you're still yeah, eating. Yeah, I still eat fruit. Still right. eating fruit. Because when you go that full exactly. keto, you can't you can't have so little. It's like it's like the exactly. the veggie gets reduced to like cauliflower and water. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. There's like like really like six approved veggies, right? <laughs> So yeah, I'm doing a I'm doing a twenty twenty off and then four on and then I am planning to throw in some twenty four hours and uh, but I've you know what I was really scared of I was scared I wouldn't be able to smoke cigars because I end at four o'clock and I usually have cigars I start reviewing around seven or eight at night or enjoying as well just after my daughter goes to bed and I was afraid that if I my stomach was more empty I would not be able to handle it and uh, yeah I, I smoked the papasaki yesterday and. No problems at all. I've smoked a couple of stronger cigars as well, even than that, and I I felt okay. I just pace myself. I make sure I have water, and I felt great. So it's it's funny because Steve, I think you heard this conversation while you were waiting to come on in the beginning of the show. He talked about Red Meat Lovers Club, and you know the the reaction was, ah, it's not really for me. And it's like, yeah, but did you do the requirement before you smoked that cigar? Did you have a steak before you had a Red Meat Lovers Club? Because you did. Just so we're clear. Mitchell said it wasn't really for him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, but you know, I want to know, know how accurate that was. What I find odd about that is that you do like Mike Rita. So really, Red Meat Lovers is in that same general genre. It's definitely different. It is. Okay. And that's why it's I'm surprised. You know, but uh, but it is it is it is kind of unusual. But look again, there's a reason why there's Red Meat Lovers and a reason why there's Mike Rita. That's the reason why there's a blue Mickey Rita, a red Mickey Rita, and a black Mickey Rita. Okay, there are differences between them. So it really comes down to, you know, what works for you. If any of those four even work for you, you know, yeah. look, and you see it all the time online. I mean, I see people post that Stillwell Star Navy is their favorite cigar I make. I think if you pulled 98% of the people that smoke my cigars on the regular, they would say, are you fucking kidding me? The Navy is your favorite, right? Not that they hate the Navy. Well, some do, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's so individual as to what you like in a cigar. And, you know, and as we grow the portfolio, and I had this comment earlier with Matt, you get a little more fringy with the blends. The Krakatoa is a fringier blend. Um, in the exclusives, frog juice is a fringier blend. You know what I mean? Um, Famous 80th. Um, I mean, it sold out three times. It's done really well. There's a good audience for it. 
but it's also it's you you, you can't you don't want to make everything the same where you're just creating a new brand because it's easy to sell a new brand. You want to bring something at least slightly different, if not significantly different to the table. And maybe you'll appeal to a consumer that, uh, yeah, they tried your other stuff, but you know what? It didn't really, you know, ring their bell. So maybe this is what will ring their bell because if you make it all taste the same, then what's the point of having it all? You know, I think, no, I'll you go first. Go ahead, Mitchell. I, th I think Matt actually has a point with the red meat lovers. I think I might actually enjoy the cigar better paired with the steak. Um, for me, I love the Micarita. I've loved the blue. I've loved the black. I enjoy the red. Um, I find the, the for me, red meat lovers is a bit more earth forward compared especially to the blue. I don't get that underlying sweetness and maybe a bit of that, I think, the Mikarita adds a little bit more complexity in my opinion. And I think maybe with the steak, it would uh, maybe, maybe fill in that void that, that I'm, well, maybe I, don't, it won't. I don't know. Who cares? Maybe I don't it won't. Care. Just keep <laughs> buying new Mikarita. You know what I mean? It doesn't, that's the point. I, you don't have to love everything. Yeah. The point is that there'd be a selection of things and hopefully you'll find a few things in the portfolio that sing to you and I'll earn your money there. And and you mentioned you mentioned Krakatoa. I know it took you a while to blend that. I'm sorry, Matt. I don't know if you did. You have anything to add to that? No, it's okay. Go ahead. The the Krakatoa is it's obviously one of your newer ones that's hitting the shelves. You mentioned it being a fringe blend, maybe not something that you know people who just know your core are going to be like, oh, this is going to be a classic Steve Saka. Um, what made it so different? And also, I know. I think you've mentioned it took you almost two years or three years to kind of reimagine the blend multiple yeah. times. What what was it? Was there a specific tobacco that you just couldn't really tame, or was there a certain no, profile actually, you I just weren't a, hitting? I was using, I, actually, what was a turning point is when I started using some tobaccos that I don't normally use. I was trying to make a blend that was more. I wanted it to be like a, a really strong blend, but I wanted it to be a strong blend. I don't make strong cigars, right? I make strong cigars, but I don't make super bitey, peppery cigars. Right. That's not my normal now, thing. There's a, there's a few in the line on Stolen Valor, which doesn't really count because that's Raul's blend. Tricky Traca 448, I would consider pretty punchy. But for the most part, most of my cigars, they tend to, they tend to be really full-flavored and full-bodied, a lot of them. But they don't tend to be very bitey, right? So... I wanted to make a really strong blend with a high nicotine content, but I didn't want it to be so sharp that you couldn't get the, the, the flavor out of it. And so what I really wanted it to be like, is I wanted it to be like when you get one of those like really strong Habano cigars, but then you put it away in your humidor and you pull it out like seven, eight, 10 years later, right. Where it's been tempered down. And I wanted it to also have a, a much more kind of drier kind of finish to it. Because that dry kind of finish is very classic taste profile that you get out of those really strong Habanos that have been laid down for a very long time. You know what Maybe I mean? Bolivar. Right. So it's a very unique, hard flavor to describe, but it's definitely a trait. And I didn't mean to say Habanos. I meant to say Habanas. Okay. So, I mean, so, and that was kind of what I was shooting for. And it's a, it's a rather esoteric, you know, somewhat enigm en enigmatic kind of flavor profile. And uh, so 
I really struggled to how do you make this where I don't just make something that maybe Papin Garcia would make and then I sit on it for 10 years, right? Because that's not a commercial possibility. Okay, so, and that was kind of what the goal was, was to try to make that. And, th and that turned out to be a real challenge to try to make something taste like that. Now, uh, I think of the Muestras, I don't think it's going to be nearly cr as crowd-pleasing as a Naka Tamale or an Unstolen or a Bewitched. Because it is just, again, it's a kind of a fringe kind of profile. But it's also something that is rather unique in my portfolio. It's drier. It's more woodsy. It's sweet, but it's kind of that cedar kind of sweetness. Again, as though it's been sitting in that cedar box for 10 years. You know, so that was kind of the goal with it. And it was kind of that, it was even where the name came from. It wasn't, and then this is the thing, many retailers are selling it as this really super strong cigar. That's not why it was named Krakatoa. It was named Krakatoa because the strength is underneath. You know, it's not evident. You know what I mean? It's the, the power is below. Okay. That, that's what it is. And and that was kind of the way I was thinking of it, but I should have known better. Retos, of course, are going to sell as the strongest cigar I've ever made just because of the name, but that's not true. It's not. I've smoked it. I smoked it a few days ago. Um, I liked it. I thought it was different. I thought it was uh, quite different than the rest of the stuff that you've made um and I, but i thought it was good and sometimes it's nice when a manufacturer or whatever um puts out a brand puts out you know something that's a lot different than what you're normally used to and it, it kind of makes you like stop and think about stuff a little bit more you, you get sometimes i feel like you get into a pattern where you're always kind of smoking the same usual suspects and there's nothing wrong with that you find what you like you smoke it that's what you should do but sometimes you find something from that brand that's a little more outside the box and you're kind of like, huh, and you start thinking about it. You start comparing it to the other cigars and you start to ask yourself, well, why, why do I like this one? And why, why is, you know, how does it stack up to this? And why do I like that one more? And I think you start to, you know, think about it a little bit more and you kind of understand, maybe not understand, but you, you, you're a little bit more in tune with what you're smoking and uh, you kind of just kind of get out of that bubble of just like, oh, I, I smoke Nicarita Blue all the time. That's what I know. And that's also part of what the Western line is all about, is about being these little, small, separate microcosms, different blends, different tobaccos, something that is different than the normal. You know, it, it's meant to be a sample. Right. You know what I mean? It's meant to be I mean, it's a finished cigar, obviously, but it, it's meant to be something outside the norm. Just like like one of the most unique Westerns is the first one, the Exclusivo. It's all made with tobaccos that are aged a minimum of five years in the bale. All the trip is in that cigar. It's probably one of my mildest, smoothest, most balanced, elegant, you know, almost soft on the palate style cigar. I mean, I think it's even, I mean, a lot of consumers get afraid because the wrapper is really dark. Okay. But really the guys that are going to like really rave about uh, Exclusivo are probably going to be the type of guys that really like to smoke brulee. You know what I mean? Because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit more richer experience, but it's still, it's a very mm, subtle, elegant execution. And it's because the tobaccos have just been aged so long. And I don't tend to make cigars with tobaccos that have five or more years on them. It's not what I normally smoke. Yeah. I mean, 
one of the things I was going to ask you actually earlier was, and when you talked about the Krakatoa, you talked about working with some tobaccos. You mentioned this a little bit before. You worked with some tobaccos you don't normally work with. Um, but I, I, I kind of, I know a little bit about your process and I know a little bit about how it works and I, we, we've talked about it. You've been very open about, you know, blending process and the amount of samples you order, um, which I think you, you've claimed that you order the more samples than anybody from the, from the factory. Um, I can't say that. I just order a shit ton. <laughs> um, I, I make an absurd number. But is there a tobacco that you've tried to work with that you really wanted to work, and it just you just can't you just you just can't get it into the right blend. You can't get it to work. Yeah, I've never um, had much success with Arapiaca wrapper. Really? Yeah, it's just never. I've never had anything. I mean, look, I'm sure if I just force myself to do it, I guess. Maybe that'll be a future molester, right? Because that's something that I've never really been satisfied with any blend that I've ever made with an over with a, an Arapiaca cop on it. Um, you know, so look, look, one of the things in Krakatoa, in, in both Golden Child and Krakatoa, I used uh, Aganorsa for the very first time in a blend that I've commercially released. Now, we did plenty of stuff with it when I was at Drew Estate, okay? Um, but it's one of those things that for me, um, it just didn't really fit a lot of my, my profile of what I normally like to smoke. Not that it's not good tobacco. I, I would never say that it is, but it, it has some certain unique characteristics, but oddly enough, it was that tobacco that got me to where I wanted to go. on both golden child and on Krakatoa that really was kind of like, Oh, this is the light bulb moment. When I started playing more and more with that, it kind of got me to a place that made more sense. And in particular in Krakatoa, when I, when I offset that tobacco, you know, with, a, with, with the, uh, the Seiko, I use a, an Oliva-grown uh, broadleaf. It's grown as broadleaf wrapper in Nicaragua, but I, I use some of it as filler. And the combination of that broadleaf Seiko as the Basse paired with that Lajero from Agronorsa, it got me to that kind of flavor profile that I wanted to go. And honestly, the the Nicaraguan broadleaf, I've been pretty dismissive of it because it doesn't have that inherent sweetness that the Connecticut grown broadleaf has. It looks the same. It kind of feels the same. You know what I mean? But it lacks that same typical earthiness. It's almost like instead of like that rich earth, it's more like almost a dirt. You know what I mean? It almost has like a sandiness to it. This is just my personal opinion. Of course. This is just what I've worked with. I'm sure there's tons of manufacturers that are making absolutely great blends with it. But for me, I just wasn't finding a home for it. But oddly enough, it worked really well for what I was trying to achieve with Krakatoa. And it's kind of when I started working, adding those two ingredients to my samples and starting to work with blends centering around those two, one at the top and one at the bottom, that ended up actually finally getting me you know, over the hurdle that was making me not finish the blend. Yeah, I mean, I've I've always found that um, it, it's 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 always interesting when you when you when you see people come out with I don't want to use the word experimental, but I like when brands try to step outside the comfort zone. I think is the best way I want to put it uh, with some of their projects. Yeah, you don't get rewarded commercially for it. And it's, you and it's true. Up, you, get, you get beat up for it. I mean, you're fighting for shelf space and that's, 
And that's one of the reasons why doing that type of stuff, having a molester line where you have enough, you know, patrons of your brand that are always willing to try the next molester and they understand that it's going to be different. It's intended to be different. And they go into it with that understanding. It gives you some latitude as here's a way that you can make it commercially viable and go ahead and step out. Remember, uh, Pepin Garcia had a brand, uh, La Duena. I don't know if it's still manufactured, right? Mm-hmm. But it like really got panned in the marketplace. It was a great cigar, but everyone expects super strong and super peppery and that kind of lean, racy kind of profile from Pepin. And here's this softer, gentler, milder cigar coming out of you know the Garcia factory. And it was a fantastic cigar, but Pepin's consumers just this, like it just didn't work for them, right? And then, you know, the consumers that it probably would work great for were not the typical Papin Garcia consumer, right? So they would hear that it's Papin Garcia and they may not even try it because it doesn't, you know what I mean? It doesn't, they've already know, well, I smoked La Bajou and that's not for me. And I've smoked, you know, this and I've smoked that, you know? So it's really hard to, to, to break out and to do these kinds of things. And particularly so when, most companies don't really tell the story of their cigars very well. They don't interact directly with consumers very well. You know what I mean? They don't have the ongoing back and forth discussion of where you actually can share these kind of details. And part of the reason why is because Papin Garcia is in Nicaragua doing his job in the factory, right? And what you have is you have three elements of, you know, sales and marketing and distribution. You know what I mean? You're, right. you're much further removed from the source. You know what I mean? And it's not that Papine couldn't explain it. He absolutely can explain it, but he doesn't have the opportunity to explain it. So that makes it even more challenging when you kind of go off into the hinterlands and you make these weird things like Stillwell Star. That's definitely weird, right? It's good, but it is weird. You know, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you tell that story? Well, and, uh, I'll, you go first, Mitchell. Go ahead. I had a question because it's on the, the topic of interesting tobaccos or different tobaccos. Um, I've previously heard you at least try some FSG and I don't know if you're planning or no. still trying. Yeah, to I'm plan. done with that plan. It's yeah. done. I made, oh. a, I made a, I made a killer FSG cigar. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I, FSG, yeah. FSG has been a, a sore spot between Jeff and I for a long time. FSG has this, sour i'm gonna call it twangy okay <laughs> it has a very unique kind of twangy note to it that has never really suited my palate and so i ended up selecting some fsg tobacco at the farm like three years ago and i actually finished the blend uh where, where are we at right now the blend was 100 done november of 2022 so the okay. blend is 100% done. What isn't done is the packaging. Um, so and what I really like about the blend is I think I made an FSG cigar that for the people that love FSG, I didn't get rid of the twang. It's there. You can tell it's FSG. But I also think I made a cigar for somebody like me that normally isn't a fan of FSG tobacco that also – you're gonna. You're, there's a higher oppor, There's a higher likelihood that you might also find it appealing. 
So I, I really, I really need to get that blend in a box because it's a, it, it's actually some of my better work, you know, because you're taking a tobacco that you don't, I personally don't directly cotton with, and finding a way to make it work, and not by just glossing over it or hiding it or making it so minimal that the people that love FSG don't even recognize that it's FSG, you know, cause that would be a disservice too. That'd be the easiest thing. Yeah. I make a cigar and I say there's FSG tobacco and there's no FSG tobacco in it, or there's so little FSG tobacco in it that it's undetectable. You know, that that's the easy way to just mail it in, but that's kind of cheating the consumer, I think, you know? So it's, it, for me, it's been a, a standout unique tobacco for sure. And every blend I've tried FSG in so far, like you said, it does have that twang. Like a, I just kind of mentioned sour, but I, I kind of say sour is like, you know, lemons are sour, but I, I still like lemons. You know, there's lots right. of, it, you know, it's just a note like you often, and it's, it's not like it's a, a bad sour. It's just not a note you often get in almost any tobacco. It, it goes beyond kind of uh, anything else. And it is just super unique. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, you have consumers that absolutely love the FSG cigars because it does have that, that flavor profile that is very unique and distinct. But at the same time, it's that unique distinctness that also makes other people go, uh, those cigars aren't for me. So I, I think, I think I have a Goldilocks blend on that one. We'll see when it gets released. But I, I, I think I've, I think I've bridged that gap really well. Can you? Uh, I don't want you to give any more information. I was gonna say, can you see what it's ra- what it's wrapped in? Because I assume you're using it as filler, but uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, get, we'll get. Yeah, it's a filler. Because look, I not only did I take the not only did I select FSG, but I took the FSG tobacco that nobody else wanted. I took the Corona leaves, the very top of the light, the plant, the very strongest of the FSG tobacco. <laughs> okay, so here I'm taking an ingredient that I already know that I'm not a particular fan of because of its notes i'm saying okay give me the one that's the most that okay so i actually took the i actually took what we considered the worst by some people other people consider it the best you know but i mean so but for me given my experience i uh, yeah it was it was a challenging project i mean and look and it all started in the beginning was not blending a cigar but figuring out how to ferment it properly you know figuring out how to work that tobacco to get it to where we ultimately wanted to go and we tried about four no we actually tried five different techniques before we settled on it. and it was hard because i didn't have enough of it to build a pallone out of right plus you can't risk a whole pallone so we were literally putting sample hands in pallones of ecuador habano sample hands in connecticut broadleaf pallones trying it at different fermentation temperatures trying it at different moisture levels trying it at different turns to try to figure out where's the sweet spot for this tobacco to get where I wanted to go with it. So I put a, put a lot of time and effort into that project. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to charge Jeff a lot of money for those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was actually going to ask that question myself and Mitchell beat me to it. Cause you know, Mitchell's apparently on his game tonight and um, I've been drinking more than he has obviously. So <laughs> I'm usually I'm usually a little bit further ahead of him, but uh, Mitchell's you know he's he's on point tonight. Yeah. I gotta, gotta give him a pat on the back. His, his coop calls him Boy Wonder. You know he's he's living up to that yeah. Boy Wonder name tonight. Um, let's take a quick break. Let's do our news, and uh, then we'll we'll get back to Steve, and we'll uh, we'll talk more about uh, 
all of the amazing stuff that he does every day. Um, <laughs> once again, our news is brought to you by McAuliffe Cigars. That's right, featuring the McAuliffe Black, rated 91 at SmokingTobacco.com. McAuliffe Black, it's a blackout. Um, this week, we have uh, one of the the biggest announcements of the year, I think is safe to say. Um, it's it's about it's the end of the year. It's about that time for the annual Zodiac releases to be announced. And perhaps the most popular of those is Davidoff. And this today, Davidoff announced officially the Year of the Dragon uh, for 2024 for the Chinese New Year. And uh, you can read more about it on SmokingTobacco.com, but I'll, I'll give you a little bit of it here. It's, it is once again time for the annual Zodiac series releases from manufacturers of which have been getting more popular every year, perhaps none of which are more popular and anticipated than the ones that come from Davidoff. Davidoff will once again release a limited edition to celebrate the Chinese New Year. With this release, for the first time, Davidoff will complete an entire Zodiac cycle, which began in 2013 with the Year of the Snake. But it is more than just the cigar. In fact, it consists of a limited edition double Corona cigar composed of eight different tobaccos, a special pipe tobacco blend, a cutter and ashtray, and a masterpiece humidor, and an additional, very limited, Grand Toro cigar exclusively available for Davidoff of Geneva flagship store customers. Um, you know, the last couple of years, we've we've really seen an uptick in these Zodiac releases. Uh, more and more you know, manufacturers coming out with anything. Placencia's got one now. I know we saw a Year of the Dragon from Gurkha at the trade show. You, I didn't even know La Galera has one. My friend smoked one yesterday. I was like, I didn't even... No, they made that. Like, there's so many brands that are making these year ofs that, like, it, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, Placencia. Placencia. One. They got their they got no, their foot in that one. The list uh, goes on. So the Maya, Maya Selva announced one today. Yep, Maya Selva announced one nice. today as well. Yeah. Um, there's about twelve of them, I think. Yeah, I mean, wow. Drew, Drew Drew's doing them now too with with yeah, the, drew the has it too right they yep. do one yep they do although i think with drew with the exception of year of the rat i know like they did the year of the ox the year of the tiger they did a year of the rabbit but i believe those were all international i don't think those were u.s releases i believe those were only international if i remember correctly the ones that drew did the last couple of years except for the rat the rats they they make and those were here, but I'm pretty sure the rest were for Europe and Asia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, or maybe Asia exclusively on one of them. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I, I if I'm if I'm thinking of it right, I believe those were they weren't even available here, which was interesting. Um, but yeah, this one is the the regular the core part of because there's there's multiple sizes of humidors and stuff, but the core part of the Year of the Dragon for Davidoff is actually a seven and a half by fifty double Corona. Which they also have just done a double Corona in their anniversario number one limited edition that just came out. Um, so that 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 that's a big size, and now we've seen Davidoff have uh, you know kind of close together, I guess, uh, a couple of those those big cigars. Which I don't know. I guess I find interesting. I didn't think that's a big cigar. I mean, Steve. I mean, you you make cigars. I mean, you 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 know you know about sizes. I mean, that's that's a that's a big size. And I don't know. I guess for me, I was surprised that they they went with that Patola. What's the size? I missed it. I wasn't paying attention. Seven and a half by fifty double Corona. Yeah. I don't know. In today's market, what are we talking about? It's a new Asylum, like twenty-two by like four hundred sixty-four <laughs> ring gauge or something. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's more about, it. I mean, there's been a lot of, obviously, a lot of larger ring gauges, but I think in the terms of the length, you know, the longer cigars, I don't know. I just... I think I think a part of it is also this whole thing is meant to be celebratory. I think there was some backlash. When, was it the last year that there was quite a small perfecto and people were like, I'm spending this much on it on like a celebratory year of cigar and I'm done the cigar in like 40 minutes or something like that. And I think they might've heard that and been like, people are kind of right. They they're, they're spending a, a large amount. This is a very rare cigar. This is a very, you know, it's, it's something to celebrate and they want it to last. They want it to be a bit bigger. Seven and a half by 50 is obviously quite long. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I think, I think that might be adding to it. Um, for sure, and they have they have a price tag of fifty nine dollars MSRP. Could do you cigar. know how many boxes they're planning to release? I could only see some like some of the limited stuff. Like they're doing a, uh, uh, they think they're uh, doing some some pipe tobacco as well. They are that coming out with like five five thousand tins around there. They're doing some. I think so. Some, yeah, an ashtray and a cutter as well. There's about five hundred and eighty eight. Uh, versions of those that are numbered so they're doing a huge thing but i couldn't i couldn't see in the press release how many actual boxes of the kind of that seven and a half by 50 i don't think it says yeah i don't i actually i yeah i don't i don't think we have that number we do have a number on the uh on the humidors they're making the masterpiece humidors in which the the grand toros will be available and those humidors i believe are only going to be limited to 25 pieces uh the tins the pipe tobacco is 5,400 tins worldwide. Um, and then we have for the um, for the flagship stores with the – I'm sorry. I'm trying to skim through this really quickly. Uh, with so the I'm grand- looking at the 7 by 50 side account. They're going to release 5,160 boxes. Okay. There you go. For the U.S., it doesn't say how much nationally, internationally. Yeah. It's like 50, 160 boxes of the 10 count available for U.S. market. Yeah. And then, and then the, and then the one with the 24 Grand Toro cigars um, will be limited to 600 boxes worldwide. Right. 600 boxes of the larger Grand Toro. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. And then the humidor yeah. is 25 numbered humidor. Well, the interesting thing about the, about the Davidoff one, I mean you know, is the fact that they didn't just make one cigar and put it in the box, which would have probably been fine too. But, you know, they, they really, they really played into it too. I mean, they got the humidors, they got the other sizes with the, you know, ex- ex- exclusivity. Uh, they got some accessories with, they got a whole, they got a whole set really going on too, which uh, is interesting. You could, a lot of time and thought has yeah. been put into this. I mean, look at that. Astro. Special cutters too, I believe. Right. With like a, yeah. some yes. sort of like dragon skin, Yes, pouch it looks like dragon skin. The yeah, leather. yeah, and that's pretty. That's pretty much on all of it too. I mean, the ashtray has it, the cutter has it, the box has it. It's that dragon scale pattern, uh, which is, I mean, I think it looks kind of sharp if you ask. All me. right, so anybody that bitches to me about how much a DTT cutter costs, this one is five hundred thirty dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Steve doesn't want to hear your your. Complaining. I don't want to hear your whys. <laughs> and the ashtray is four hundred ninety dollars. Yeah, yeah. Five hundred eighty-eight pieces, I believe, on the on both. Yeah, five hundred eighty-eight pieces. So, 
you know, if that's up your alley, I mean, there you go. Go go snag one. But if you want to read more about it, you want to hear more, I'm not going to go on and on about it all night. You know, we got Steve here. We're not going to talk about Davidoff and Steve. But if you want to read more oh. about it, you want to check out some of the images on what the stuff looks like. It's, it is some pretty sharp-looking stuff. Uh, if you can head over, head over to um, and you can find it. It should be right there on the, on the homepage or find it under our Cigar Industry News tab. Um, I mean, the ashtray looks gorgeous in the pictures. It does. It does. But I'm curious. Is, you know, look, Davidoff does good stuff, right? Yeah. So I'm sure – I'm sure it's gorgeous in person too, because they, they do, they put together quality stuff, but I mean, sometimes you look at these pictures and then you actually hold it and you're like, eh. <laughs> it's better in the photo than it did. It's kind of like an Instagram chick, right? Yeah. Better on Instagram than in reality. Uh, <laughs> so. Take off the filters and, uh, <laughs> Hey, you know, Steve's here. You get, you get what you get. I mean, you know, it's, I think most people know what they get when Steve comes on the show. Um, Steve, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and I, I asked you a little bit about this on the show, I mean, uh, before the show, but I wanted to ask you on the show. Um, Todos Los Dias. Yeah. Where are we at with that? Still still um, laying dormant? You're going to, like, I know yeah, people have been asking about dormant. that. The thing is, there's a particular filler ingredient in Todos Los Dias that I use on another product. And the other product was growing considerably faster than Todos Los Dias. Okay. Um, the year that I stopped making Totos, I think it was like up 17%. And the other brand was like nearly 40% mm -hmm. up. So it was just a question of where do you allocate materials to? Do you put them in continuing Totos or do you put them into, into you know, something else? It's kind of a shame because the Totos is a really good blend. Um, so I didn't make it for about two years. And then this year I did a limited release of something called archive series where I'm going to use that, this little, just me adding an extra little label on the box, essentially a cliche or a branding mark so that I can like bring stuff back that were really good cigars, but for whatever reason we've moved them out of the portfolio. So in 2023, I think it was like in February, I did a limited production of the totus last DS, uh, thick Lonsdale which is like roughly, I think it was like six and a quarter by 48 off the top of my head. Might've been by 46. I can't remember. Um, and, uh, and we sold it and I mean, I'll make more again in the future, but there's no way I can restart the line at this point. There's just, there's just not enough tobacco to support both brands. Right. So I have to, I have to pick which of my children I prefer to put that tobacco in. And it's one thing to say, Oh, I'm going to make a, 1500 10 count boxes it's only 15,000 cigars compared to you're gonna have a whole core brand and you're gonna make you know a hundred thousand two hundred thousand and you know you're hoping you got a core brand that's gonna grow so it was kind of like I was working against myself trying to promote both cigars because eventually one of them was gonna have to lose so rather than rather than do that knowing that at the end of this rainbow something's gonna have to give or I'm gonna have to change the blend in one of the two which you don't like to do because you have consumers that really like the blend as is. I just said, okay, Totos Las Dias, it's going to go on hiatus. Yeah, and that's a great cigar. Um, but I, but, but you're right. I mean, when you've you've talked about this on some other shows too. I mean, the cost of you know, in this business at least, you know, doing business, you have to look at your portfolio. You have to look at what you have, tobacco available, yada yada yada, all that stuff. Um, and yeah, sometimes you got to make decisions that, you know, hey. 
maybe it's not the best, but in the long run for your business, it, it makes sense. And sometimes, you know, we, we, we see brands. It even, it even makes sense for the consumer because even though the consumer that really loves Todos Los Dias feels as though they've been violated in the end, you know, if I can't make it the same, are they going to be happy with that? It's you true. know what I mean? So it's actually, you know, rather than just grabbing the dollars and, you know, oh, no, we never changed it. Uh, no, it's just it's easier to say, OK, I, I just simply can't do it. And look, and that's true with all of our products. I mean, I mean, and that's true with every product. There is a limit on everything. Right. It's just there's a lot of factories with a lot of blends that it seems like they have an unlimited capacity to make them. But it's just because demand isn't exceeding the materials that they have. But when the demands do exceed the materials, you then are kind of caught in a position of where, what do I do? Now, sadly, what most companies do is they just figure a way to change the blend, okay, and just try to kind of kind of sneak it through. But it's because it's such a large commercial concern at this point that it's very hard. And I, I think one of the things that consumers, you know, they may not grasp, but it isn't just the manufacturer being greedy about it these things affect people's lives. You know what I mean? I mean, if you have a, a really large brand, like whatever, Liga Pravada, and you're doing, you know, $20 million a year wholesale, and I'm just pulling that number out of my ass. It's no basis in reality, right? But what do you do? Do you stop because you're short of one ingredient? You know what I mean? This literally affects, you know, like, the livelihood of 200 families plus. You know right. what I mean? It's not, it's not just you and your bottom line as a company, but it has wide ranging repercussions that impact an awful lot of people. So it's nice when I'm small, like I am, I can say, okay, we won't make Todos Las Dias. You know, okay, fine. We'll sell more X, Y, or Z. And, you know, when we have enough tobacco, we'll do an occasional hit. Now, maybe three years from now, that situation will reverse and I'll have enough material. And then I can bring it back full time into the portfolio. I mean, look, it's my job to put cigars in boxes that people are willing to buy. You know what I mean? It's not my job to make, you know, limited vapor. You know what I mean? It doesn't doesn't help the company in any way. So, I mean, if I had the capacity to make it, I would be making it. I just simply don't. Of yeah, course. That's and that's an integrity move. And I think, I think you hit on two big points there with, you know, one, you don't want to change it. And then have people not be happy with it and provide a disservice to the clientele who relies on that cigar because they like it. And then all of a sudden it becomes, oh, what is this? Uh, and then people stop buying it or whatever anyway. You know, hey, you know what? We're just when they start, when they start motherfucking me saying Sokka fucked up my cigar. That's true. <laughs> yeah. You know, people, you know, people are not shy to, to be like, hey, wh wh what the fuck happened here? What did you do? You know? Steve, you screwed me over on this. These aren't great. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I like how you made the comparison too between a small company and the big and the big company. And you know, sometimes you can't you can't just tweak a blend, or sometimes you have to tweak a blend. It's too big. Well, the reality scale. is, we're always tweaking blends. If, I mean, listen, the one thing consistent about handmade cigars is that they're inconsistent. So right. in order to make the smoking experience the same to the consumer. You're constantly tweaking. You can't treat it like a Betty Crocker baking recipe, a half a cup of this and two pinches of that and a tablespoon of this. You're always constantly adjusting. But there's a difference between adjusting to go to a same flavor profile versus, oh, I'm getting rid of an entire ingredient, which has a major impact on how this blend actually smokes and tastes. 
You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, of course. There, there, was no, there was no tweaking around it. And trust me, not that I didn't try. I did. Okay. I mean, I was trying to figure out a way to make it work. You know, okay. What if I strip back that particular tobacco, start supplementing with something else? I don't completely get rid of the ingredient. Can I get to a place that I'm happy? And I could get to a cigar that was perfectly smokable and perfectly good. Okay. Perfectly sellable. But it didn't taste like a Totos Las Dias. That's fair. And then at that point, you make the decision. Ah, I mean, I get it too. And, you know, I think, you know, with the media guys, especially, you know, it could, we're so wrapped up in this all the time that there's more of a geek factor. And I think that's a, I think that's a Garofalo term. I think he used it first, the cigar geek factor. I could be wrong about that. I don't know. Um, but I, I know I've heard him say it probably the most. And uh, I just, you know, I think it's true. And I think for us, it's like, oh, but to a consumer, I mean, I think there's a lot of consumers out there that they care about their cigars. They know what they like and this and that. But I don't I don't think they get into it as deep as the rest of us do. And I think that, you know, yeah, you make a, you make a subtle change on something that's just not quite right or whatever. You know, they're very quick to just dump it and move on to something else. And, you know, rather than just make a cigar that people don't like and try to pass it off, you know, it's like, you know what, I mean, we're just going to stop it. We're going to do something else. The way the market works today. I mean, you get rewarded for new. Look, I'm getting rewarded this year because I have so much new, right? Most so, new. I mean, it's like it's like it's kind of one of these things where you know, if you just look at it from simple commercial, you don't even have to make a good cigar. If you just make a good cigar, enough people are just going to try it and sample it in all the various retail shops that it's actually sellable the first to go around. I mean, you think of all the brands that so many of us companies release. How many of them are around, you know, just even three or four years later, much less 10 years later? I mean, it's a it's a really hard thing to I call it a generational blend, a cigar that actually can go a full 20 years and still be on the shelf, still have a consumer for it, still have people that really enjoy it, still have people that recommend it. You know, and there's so few, you know, certain Fuentes, Padron, you know, Oliva V. I mean, Liga Pravada, these are what I consider acid, you know, love it or hate it. It's what I would consider a generational product, right? It gets beyond that, oh, it's the newest thing on the block kind of cigar. And, uh, and the thing is, the marketplace, it really rewards you when you get one of those generational cigars. But so few ever make it to that point. So there's really very little in the marketplace that incentivizes the manufacturer and particularly the brand owners, okay, to even try to make that when you can just bang out something new, put a new name on it, new band, tell a different dog and pony story, and bam, it's like instant easy sales. Right. Yeah. Now, you know, talking about new, there's been a couple of uh, cigars that a few folks have been ask, asking about in the comments. One being uh, the holiday year. 20 or the Y 2023 what what's going to be different about that compared to the 2022 and do you have an estimated time on on when that's expected to yeah, drop in the market? So we will so those will ship start shipping probably so they actually got loaded in today's container out of the factory so those will be at the port in honduras on monday so it'll approximately assuming normal shipping normal customs normal fda We'll probably be shipping that out starting right around November 15th. I mean, if everything goes the way you hope it's going to go, never any guarantees. Um, 
This holiday blend is significantly different. It's it's another aromatic blend, but it's a different aromatic tobacco than what was used in number one and what was used in the 2022. And also, this is a Connecticut Shade Cigar, so it, it's a much different profile than the previous two aromatics that we've released. Um, for some people, they're going to say it's the best one. For other people, are going to say it's not as good as the last one just going to be the nature of the beast because it is it is a different smoking experience but if you enjoyed either of the two previous aromatics this one's worth trying if you didn't like either of the two previous aromatics i wouldn't spend your money on this one and maybe grab a single if you see it on the shelf somewhere but i wouldn't go chasing after it because it's another aromatic still well i mean even though it's different and the yeah, for sure. Would you say this is uh, more pipe tobacco-y or less pipe tobacco-y? I don't even know how to. Compare, com I guess compared to twenty twenty-two. That's know, a, that's a very a interesting people, question. I think a lot of people felt that the twenty twenty-two had more of that pipe tobacco feeling than even just your OG aromatic. So did you did you say try to keep it in that range or? Again, well, the, aromat the aromatic blend is different. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave that up to consumers to decide. I mean, listen, okay. because fair. you have the milder shade wrapper, it's just going to allow the pipe tobacco to come through a little more clearly. Okay. But whether that's good or bad, uh, I don't really know. I mean, yeah. it's okay. all of the Stillwell stars are all just. I mean, talking about fringe blends, you can't get any more fringy than Stillwell Star, for God's sake. That's true. I mean, it's it's all over the map. The other the other blend that people were asking about, uh, and again, wondering what maybe makes it unique in itself, was uh, the Wagashi. I think you mentioned yeah. it's it's supposed to be dropping this year. And again, what what kind of differentiates it from the blue or the brulee? Um, I think it kind of cuts across section. I think the so the Wagashi is the brulee blue blend, but it's in a larger format. So it kind of helps to make it a little bit more creamier than the traditional Sobre Mesa brulee blue. Okay. Because when it comes to Sobre Mesa, the brulees, blue is the one that gets all the love online. It's the one that, you know, going back to the geek factor, you get so much buzz about it. But the reality is, Sober Mesa Brulee Toro and Sober Mesa Brulee Robusto, it kicks the snot out of blue sales. Okay. It just does. So there's way more people that prefer core brulee than prefer the blue. Or maybe it's because they don't try the blue because the size is so peculiar, right? Because it's kind of a, you know, it's that kind of large Lonsdale size. And, you know, it costs what, $16, I think? I don't even know. MSRP. It's something like that, maybe even more. So, it may be the price where they look at the other one and go, oh, well, I get a whole Toro and it's three bucks cheaper. You know what I mean? And I don't have to fight for it. And it doesn't come in this pencil dick kind of format. You know what I mean? So it's kind of one of those things. So uh, Wagashi is uh, Wagashi is an interesting cigar. I think I, I think it's going to find a I think it's going to find a lot of favor with people. But if they're expecting it to be. I think it's creamier than the than the blue, but I think it's fuller in body than the traditional brulee. Kind of where I would put it. But we are we are basically we're talking shades of gray here, right? <laughs> yeah. 
all all within the same, you know, even probably slimmer than family right there. They're all based off of, again, this yeah. same rappers, very similar blend, right? So, yeah, and is that similar blend. To hit, hit before the end of the year? Yeah, that's going to drop. Uh, I can tell you when that drops, too. That drops on November 10th. Awesome. We have um, we have a couple of questions in the audience that I've been kind of saving and I wanted to get back to. So if you've been asking questions, don't worry. I'm, I'm going to get to them. Um, one of the first things, just because it's one of the first ones that's in front of me, Steve, um, people were asking about the DTT cutters. And like, when, when are they going to be available? How can they get them, I guess? Um, I yeah, I think I actually have that answer now. Oh, you do? Like, like literally today. Oh, yeah. look at that. Perfect um, timing. So what I've decided, look, there's no, I don't want to be in the cutter business. I've made that very clear. Um, I'm not really interested in accessories. So I think what we're going to do, and this, this is tentative because it really depends on whether Luigi, whether he can produce enough of them. Um, but he's going to, I talked to him about it today. I think what we're going to do is we're going to make that uh, for our, our purveyors at next year's PCA trade show. Um, you know, this year we gave them blue and black unicorns. Um, because I'm, I'm, I don't like to give discounts on cigars. I think it just sends the wrong message. It's, it's, it's such a lie, the whole discount structure. I mean, you basically make a product and you grossly overprice it so that you can then give the deal to the retailer. So he goes to the trade show and he gets 25 points off on it. The whole thing is just this big lie, which then means you end up with this crazy MSRP and then you end up with this crazy discount number. And then retailers are upset because they're fighting about, well, this guy's giving it away for too cheap. So the simple solution to that is just, I just don't believe in discounting cigars. I just, cigars cost what they cost and this is what they need to be. And we just sell them at that. So we haven't given a, what you would consider a traditional discount to the retailers for, I don't know. I don't know. It's been at least five years, right? Um, and so what we started doing is, you know, two years back, we used the stone ashtrays. Last year, we used the blue and the black unicorns. Um, I think in March, we are going to use the cutters. So those purveyors out there that support Dunbarton and our customers of ours, they're going to get cutters as part of their order, okay, that we will, instead of giving them that traditional discount, we will give them DTT cutters. That'll mean that I don't have to be in the selling of accessory business. It'll give it to the retailer to then decide what to do with it. He can choose to retail it for its MSRP. He can choose to put it in raffles. He can choose to use it for promos. Just very much the way you see the blue and the black unicorns being used now, right? You see some retailers, they're selling them for $100 a piece. If you jump on their website or you call them right away, you can get one with no strings attached. Other retailers, like the only way you can get one is hey, you got to buy this and you end up in a raffle and then maybe you'll get one. Or, hey, if you buy these cigars, you can get a blue. You know what I mean? Everyone's doing their own thing. And I'm just going to let that happen with the cutters too. And But what that'll mean is it'll mean that uh, I expect there'll probably be about 2,000 cutters available in the marketplace uh, sometime uh, next spring. So I think that the people that want a cutter, they should be able to find a cutter. There's your answer. There's your answer. Uh, and it's, I wanted to touch on this really quick, Steve, since you brought this up. Uh, in, in regards to the unicorns right now, 
Yeah. Our friends at TwoGuysCigars.com have a magical unicorn quest going on right now. Uh, yeah, I saw that today. Each pack contains 10 cigars. You will get one random unicorn, either the Sober Mesa Brulee or the Mikarita Black. That's the magical quest part. You will get nine other rare or amazing cigars. You get two Krakatoa, two Mikarita Firecracker, two Mikarita Black Papasaka, one Todos Las Dias Double Wide Bellicoso, one Sober Mesa Grand Imperiales. Is that how you say that? Uh, one Tricky Traca 764, and one unicorn sticker shown above. That's 10 total cigars, including an elusive unicorn for $225, or you can double your odds of getting both exclusive uh, elusive unicorns and buy two for 425 So if you head over to the number 2 cigars.com, you can partake in the Magical Unicorn Quest. Maybe get one, maybe get both. Right. That's go. what I'm saying. I leave it to the retailer to decide. You know what I mean? Because uh, if I wanted to figure out how to retail this stuff, I would open a retail shop. You know what I mean? If I wanted to be a retailer, I could just start selling cigars direct, set up my own website, start doing my own fulfillment, open up my own storefront. But that's not the side of the business that I'm on. Of course. I'm on the manufacturing side of the business. So, and I'm also not in the accessory business. I have some pretty cool swag items that I like to make, right? But it's just because I like the cool swag items. The problem is every time I make something, it costs too much. Ashtrays cost too much. The crystal ashtrays cost too much. The cutters cost too much. Even the ball caps we're making right now, they cost too much. Okay. And the reason why is I don't like, I don't like subpar cigars and I don't like subpar other crap either. You know what I mean? But it's not that traditional, hey, buy this box of cigars and we're going to give you some cheap Asian whatever that's going to end up in a drawer and thrown away and not used until, you know what I mean? It's just... It's just not my shtick. And then if you're an accessory company, you're trying to make accessory products that are for the masses, right? That's what you're trying to do because you need to sell volume because there's so little money in it. And I have no interest in being in that game. Plus, look, it isn't my core competency. I'm never going to never gonna compete with the big accessory companies that this is all they focus on. They have all the contacts in Asia that build all this stuff. You know, it's just... Just not my cup of tea. So now, one of the things uh, that we got people asking for in the comments as well is to talk about the, the Halligan. Yeah, yeah, Halligan is uh, one of the new limited edition uh, store drops that we're doing this year. Um, it's being made for uh, it's being made for tobaccoology um, out of Maryland. And uh, it's uh, it's an interesting blend. Um, it's got uh, it's got a combination. It's got an Ecuador Habano wrapper. It's got the San Andres Negro, some of the Cultivo Tanto binder that I use in a lot of my blends. And then it's a combination of uh, Jalapa grown uh, Nicaraguan, both a Seco and then a Viso Grande, which is a like in between a Viso and in between a Lajero. And then it has uh, a particular type of. Uh, Pennsylvania sea leaf. It's the it's the it's the classic number forty one Lancaster that we're using as a Lajero. and it's a uh, it's a six and a quarter by fifty two, um, but it's a firm prensado, so it kind of has more of a kind of feels more like a forty nine or a fifty um, in the mouth, and um, and it's got a it's got a really um, and I, I think I wrote this. I mean, I was trying to figure out the tasting notes for it, and it's just. It's just a lot of chocolate. It's very chocolatey. Hmm. It's a chocolatey, 
medium full, super smooth, but it's a, it's a, it's a really nice blend. I think it's a, I think it's a nice release in the lexicon of all these limited kind of drops that I make. So I think it's a, I think, I think it's going to find some favor. And I imagine, I don't know, it's hard to tell if it'll sell quick. I mean, I've been very lucky. They always seem to always sell out. But because I have so much new all landing on top of one another, I don't know that it's going to bang out the way some of the previous ones do. But who knows? And so much of it has to do with the reach of the retailer too, right? So, so like, you know, it's like I do the Federal 100th, right, uh, for the store here in New Hampshire. He has no website, right? There's no easy way to order one. You have to call the store. You have to get the right guy. You have to talk to him. You know what I mean? Or you got to bounce back and forth in email or DMs. So as compared to when you do a project with Abe, he's already sold 3,000 before he's even gotten them landed, right? Because he's done the pre-orders and he's got a huge customer base. And so I don't know where this one will fit in. Um, I'm pretty sure it's going to sell out. I just don't know if it's going to be one of those things that sells out in 48 hours or is it going to be one of those things that maybe it's hanging around for three, four weeks. I don't know. We'll see. You know, it's funny. While we're on this topic, I seem to remember when the Federal 100th came out, I remember you making a Facebook post about this and you talked about doing shop exclusives. And if I remember correctly, loosely wording what you said, you weren't a big fan in doing store exclusives because you felt that it wasn't a lot of times it's it's not a huge money not maker. I'm not a fan of it. It's just not commercially all that big a deal. Yeah. So from a dollar point of view, um, it has very little value in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, I do Halligan. Um, I think there's like 390 boxes, 400 boxes roughly. It's a 10 cigars in a box. It's 4,000 cigars. I mean, we made 1.4 million cigars this year. So where does 4,000 cigars when you've had to make a special blend in a special box with a special band, okay? And even though the box is simple, it's still something else and a different size. You got to make sure they get all the silk screens right. You got to, you know what I mean? They get the sizing right, you know? And so, and, you know, and even though the Halligan, I actually got a Halligan here. I mean, it's just a simple yellow silk screen band, but. You know, it's not easy to get them to silkscreen these bands. You know what I mean? So uh, these things are much more market. They're twofold. They're about marketing, okay? And that's why who I do them with is really important to me, okay, for the most part, typically. Because for me, the marketing part of it and them promoting Dunbarton is really important because it helps to get more consumers aware of our product. And then the second part that's important to me is it also gives somebody who is a real dtt fan of my cigars a way to have something new and have something fresh and have something unique without me having to make a whole brand new brand okay so it gives them something to you know keep them excited about the company and the brand and the products that we release because you know they've already got boxes of Mikerita and they've got boxes of sober mesa and they got boxes of sin compromiso so it gives them something special to to look forward to now the flip side of that is it also means because I know the customer that's most likely to go out of their way to buy it is probably one of my most loyal customers. It also has to be worth the price of admission. You know what I mean? It has to be something that's actually good. 
I can't just mail it in because, oh, it's just 4,000 cigars and they're going to buy it anyways. You know what I mean? Because it's almost it's anti-advertising if one of these limited production cigars like a U-Boat or a Don Derma wasn't actually great. Okay. It actually hurts me more than it helps me because I didn't make any money making the damn cigar. The benefit is the marketing part. So if I, you know, make a cigar that gets people saying, well, that sucked. You know what I mean? This is the worst cigar Saka ever made. Well, then I've just completely defeated the whole, the only upside there is to the product. So there's, there's, there's a certain element of risk in making those products. And another thing that's a bit of a problem is uh, whenever you make one, it irritates the retailer that you didn't make one for. And you can't make them for everybody, obviously. I mean, no, with everything you're doing. Not capacity. Particularly, look, it'd be easier if some of these would like go away. You know, but, you know, but uh, I mean, I mean, I made what that firecracker three years in a row. Um, the only reason it went away is because it just the economics of it didn't work, you know, for two guys. And for me, there was no way for us to make that size work anymore. And look, Tricky Troc of 448 is the firecracker blend and at almost the same size. The firecracker was three and a half by 50, 448 is uh 448 right so it's very similar i like the 448 format better than the three and a half by 50 format but that's a debatable thing but the blend is identical between it comes without the pigtail but look how much more it costs today when you buy a tricky truck of 448 in a box than what it costs when it was branded as a firecracker because i can't make the firecracker for what i could make it back then you know it was just it's just not physically possible and the problem is it then also gets out of, you know, two guys has a price point that they want the firecrackers to fit in because they have loyal firecracker customers, not DTT customers, right? That, you know, they expect firecrackers to cost between A and B. And here you're going to have a firecracker that ends up being 2 to $3 more expensive. And that and that's a problem. But I mean, I mean, I've made, I mean, look, I made red meat lovers five times. Here it is now a nationwide brand. I made U Boat now, I don't know, like five times. And now there's another, I mean, not, not, yeah, U Boat I've made four times. Four times? Yeah, four times. It's not a And then I've made Don Derma like five times, right? Now there's even another version of Don Derma. So uh, they don't tend to go away. And then when I don't make one, like this year, I didn't make frog juice. And all I hear it all year long was, when are you going to make more frog juice? When are you going to make more frog juice? When are you going to make more frog juice? And it's like, okay, so guess what? I'm going to make some more frog juice next year. There'll be a 2024 drop on frog juice. But it's hard because normally most companies that make these limiteds, they tend to be like one-time wonder kind of things. And then they go, which is good that it isn't because it means consumers really actually like the product. And they actually think it's a decent cigar that they're willing to buy it year after year and then more people get exposed to it and they buy it. So it's a good thing, but it also means these things don't ever get off the docket, which kind of crowds the space, which makes it hard to even launch other new ones because there's only so many months in a year. So even if I could generate the work product, how does it all get sold? And then add on all the other stuff you you came out with this year. Yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of DTT out there yeah, in the wild this year. It's, uh, I mean, tobaccoology. This is like two years late. 
I mean, Golden Child was supposed to be done a year earlier than it was actually done. So I'm running quite a bit behind. And, and that's the reason why, I mean, Florida Sun Grown, I mean, like I said, I was 100% done with the blend last November. Okay, so that's a cigar that's 100% ready, and it's still not been put in a box to be sold to the consumers yet. You know, so I, I've got I've to get some of these backlogged projects off my calendar. Yeah, you know, at some point, you get overloaded. You got to make some concessions. You got to make things work. I mean, maybe you, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you, maybe you wipe out some of those exclusives for a while. And yeah, but here's the other thing: you got these shops that really support you, right? True. So even though commercially it isn't that big a deal to me, I mean, you you see what Rocky Cigars does for you, boat, right? They're making videos. They're making special swag for it. You see what Abe did with Red Meat Lovers, right? Of course. I mean, he went hog wild. You see Ronnie, he's like a he's like a pimp on a corner, right? I mean, he, he's like slinging he's like slinging the rock hard, right? So, <laughs> you, you, I mean, so even though for Dunbarton it isn't a big commercial item, you know, for these for particularly for a, a brick and mortar store, you know, it's 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 a it's a nice hundred k payday, you know what I mean? When Do you, you really put you, yourself through it for the support of the retailer? You, you you put it through, yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta. I've always been a big believer in dancing with those who d are willing to dance with you, and if they're willing to put that much effort into it, then isn't it my responsibility to try to, you know, at least, you know, do do my part of the equation too? I mean, it just is. I mean, yeah, I make my life a lot easier not to make U boat next year, but how do I say I'm not going to make U boat? It's, it's tough. You got to make it. Yeah, you got people waiting for it. Then you get the people who was like, "Well, what happened to U boat, Steve? Why aren't you making the U boat?" But you know, and and I get and I get both sides of the argument too. I mean, it, it, people want cigars. They find cigars they love, special cigars, whatever it is. I get it. I've been there too myself personally. You know, because I like cigars too. I like to buy cigars. I like certain things from certain people that they drop that are limited or whatever. And um, well, the other thing too is, if you stop making it, then what ends up happening is three years of the future. There's some jackass flipping U-boats for $100 a piece, right? So then it's just the flipper dudes that end up getting rich on it, right? So I don't want to encourage that either. You know what I mean? So it's the one thing. If I made something and you missed out on it this year, well, just keep your powder dry because chances are I'm going to make it next year again anyways. You know what I mean? So there's no reason for you to start having to pay some scam artist on Instagram, you know, for some crazy price for a cigar, because I'm gonna make more of it for the most part. I mean, I mean, look, unicorns. Every year since the first year I made unicorns, every year I've made more unicorns. Every single year, I'll make more unicorns next year. Well, actually, next year's unicorns are already made, so that's already a given. You know what I mean? But the the, the point is. There, I also don't want to encourage that flipper market, you know, because it doesn't help the company. It doesn't help my purveyor. It might make your ego feel good, but it doesn't make my employees get a bigger bonus at the end of the year. Um, we had a couple other questions from the audience. I'm 
going to get to. I just wanted to bring this up because I, I thought it was interesting. Jay Davis, Blue Smoke of Dallas, he's with us. And he, he comments in, I'd like to see Steve do something like the Impossible Collection. Uh, I believe he's referring to the, the Fuente set. A box with all of his exclusives in it. Yeah, and I, I thought about that. The problem is that means the stores that I've been doing exclusives in, they're going to end up feeling really disappointed. Yeah, by putting their stuff into it and them not really being involved in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's a good point. And then the other thing, too, is even if you said, okay, I'm going to do it this one year, a lot of retailers aren't going to like it because they don't want to be selling cigars that eventually are going to go back to Rockies or they're going to go back to Secreto or they're going to go back to Smokin or they're going to go back to Small Batch to get the Barbara Amaria. You know what I mean? So once you put it in that kind of collection, it pretty much kills it. It has to always be in that collection that's available to all. Yeah, because if not, then those retailers are going to have customers that are going to leave to go back to its original retailer to get more of them in the long run. Right, and you can't look. I can't. You can't. You can't. You can't do something. Like one of the things that, like for example, it's like so Rob and Peter to pay Paul in a sense. Look, one of the things I see consumers do all the time, and I know they don't think anything about this, but I'll be in the Cigars Daily Facebook group, and people will be posting a picture of a store exclusive that isn't sold by Cigars Daily. I try not to like that photo. You know what I mean? It's not that I don't appreciate the customer bought it, but I mean, you're in this person's social group. You know what I mean? It's not like you're in Cigar Cartel or you're in Cigar Smokers of Michigan or you're in, you know what I mean? Right. But I mean, you know, somebody posts a picture of Don Derma in the socialite group. Somebody, you know what I mean? It's kind of one of those things that, uh, but none of the retailers have ever complained to me about it to own these groups. but I, And I know they won't complain because they'll seem like they're just being like nudges about it. But you have to know that they're like, man, why is this jackass posted a picture of a cigar that my competitor only sells? You know what I mean? In my group. I mean, it has to be what costs their mind. Yeah. Oh, I know you it know? does. and Because I've, I've, I've had those conversations with, with certain retailers about certain things. I, mean, I know it does. I, something that I really like is when people take our swag and they post a picture of it with some other brand of cigars. Cause I know that irritates that other manufacturer to hell that somebody's got whatever sitting on top of their, uh, you know, their, their, their Dunbarton Sin Compromiso mug or leaned <laughs> up against the Saka Squatch. Great for okay. me. <laughs> that brand, oh, that brand can't share it on Instagram. What are they going to share your brand on Instagram along their <laughs> side? You know, how, how's that, how's that going to help them? <laughs> well, yeah. I think I think I think I think Jay's right. I would love to put them in an impossible kind of box too. And I think it would make an interesting collection for for consumers. You know, but it, it does basically mean all the shop exclusives stop. And yeah, I can see hope, that, yeah. And kind of I was kind of like trying to phase frog juice out. And I basically ended up I was inebriated at the trade show. And Jeff from Riverside caught me in a soft moment where I was really drunk. And I basically ended up saying, yeah, I'll make it again. You know what I mean? Now you got to follow through. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't, look, actually, I've already made frog juice. So, so frog, juice is already, frog, frog juice is already in the cool rooms. But what I did do, though, he doesn't know this yet. He doesn't, this is the other thing, too. Retailers get no say in these exclusives. Um, they get what they get. Um, I changed frog juice. 
it was like fraud juice 2.0 i made a six by 48 pareo where in the past it was a box press robusto so this year's frog juice i figured well i gotta do it again let me do something a little fresh hey that's 648 man that's that's uh that's one of your sizes i think it, it shines yeah, in definitely one. i agree i agree so so this year's frog juice is going to be a six by 48 so we got a uh we have another comment from the from the audience um we get we, we get this one from time to time with with different brands but hey steve do you have any plans on using Cuban tobacco as a regional addition for Europe or Canada or Asia? Uh, no. And I'll tell you why. Because there's no good Cuban tobacco available to buy in any sort of reasonable quantity. Uh, a little bit that you can scrap together is the scrap. I mean, Habanos doesn't have enough tobacco to make the cigars they're supposed to make. I mean, what are they down to? They're down to like production numbers are like around, and don't quote me on this. I haven't looked recently, but the last time I looked, I think they were like around 85 million units a year right so i mean they used to make like 140 million units a year so they don't have enough of their own tobacco to make their own cigars so there's no tobacco to be had okay so the only thing that they're ha to be had is yeah you go to cuba and you yeah you, you buy a stolen bale here you buy a stolen bale there kind of thing but not, nothing of any usable decent quality that you could actually build something around so no, it's just uh, it's at this point it's unobtainium for our purposes, and I don't think, uh, and given the way the situation that Habanos has been in for the last five years, I don't see that quickly changing. Um, you know, and anybody that says that they are, they're just full of shit, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I just and I don't know who says they do, so I may be pissing in someone's wheaties at this moment, but I don't care. It's just there's there's nothing of quality available. There's stuff floating around, but it's because it needs to float around. It's now, the is, same reason, the same this, reason why I don't use a camera wrapper. I mean, camera is this something that you've actually like genuinely looked into? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I've made plenty of blends using Cuban tobacco. That's not a big deal. But it's the difference between, you know, making a few bench samples versus trying to actually make a product, make it consistent. I mean, you need so much material. It's not like every leaf you get, you use. You know what I mean? It's, uh, I mean, you're lucky in some crops. I'm lucky if I can use 45% of it, 35% of it. So you need such a large volume, okay, that in order to even make you get the sort that you want to get the materials you want, it's, it's just not practical. That's the problem. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I've, I've heard, and again, I won't, I won't add to it, but I have heard people make that claim here and there over the years. Uh, and it I've always wondered if it's true it's or not. Easy. Yeah. Because when you say it, it just makes it sexier. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just that simple. Uh, the reality is, look, in the end, you as a consumer, you don't know what you're being told is true or not true. Right? And a lot of times the people telling you the story don't know whether it's true or not true. They're just being told just like you're being told and they're being told by somebody above them who's being told by somebody by them. They're so far removed from the actual tobacco and from the manufacturing of the product that they have no like insider knowledge in any way whatsoever. So, I mean, ultimately when you get right down to it, all of that stuff is nice, but you just have to smoke with your palate. You have to smoke with your nose. 
you have to just decide what's pleasing to your senses and not pleasing to your senses because all the other stuff is really a lot of what gets spun is just bullshit. Well, that I know. I mean, there's a lot of bullshit talking that goes around. <laughs> sometimes you sometimes you can sniff it out. Sometimes maybe it's not as obvious, but it's it's always there. There's always some bullshit going around. But I mean, um, think about it from our perspective. All cigars are brown and round. What's the differentiator? How do you how do you engage a consumer to even give your product an opportunity to try it? You know what I mean? And look, the retailer, they need some sort of story to explain it to the consumer. And they need something to tell the consumer to make it even click in their head. You know, so I, I, I understand why it's that way. But what I'm saying is when I hear these consumers say, well, I only smoke this wrapper and this is my favorite brand. Yeah, that's the wrapper they say is on the brand, but it's not the wrapper that's actually on the brand. Okay. So they don't know. They only know it because they've been told that's what it is, but it actually isn't that at all. Right. Now, it isn't my job to start throwing, you know, darts at the wall or rocks at other people's glass houses. Uh, so, I mean, there's no upside to that. Right. But at the same time, in the end, uh, the wheat tends to separate itself from the chaff. Consumers figure out what they like, what they don't like, what's good, what's not good. But, you know, so much of what what we are told as consumers is highly embellished. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that floats around and, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about a lot of things that get said and done and. Some, I mean, obviously, some of it's true and some of it's not. And um, I think, I think at this point, in a lot of the social media stuff too, where people are a lot more connected with other people, and they see what gets said and things that happen. I think, I think people can sniff out some of it. Too. But even like on my some I'll usual consumer, suspects, I'll get an argument with a consumer. They'll tell me, no, 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 it doesn't have that tobacco in it, because they read it on a media site that just published it wrong. You know what I mean? And then, then cite that as the reference. And I'll be like, dude, I'm the fucking guy that buys the tobacco. I'm telling you that isn't in there. This right. is a mistake. Of okay? Course. The guy who wrote this just didn't know. And then they'll find someplace else that it says the same thing. But, but look at here. Like, well, you have to understand that everybody's just copying and pasting what they're getting from other places. And it's just this repetitive game of telegraph. Or is it not telegraph? Telephone. Telephone. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, I mean, it's just kind of the way it is. Uh, it's just, you, there's so few people that consumers get to interact with that are actually at the factory level. You know what I mean? And even less so that are actually at the tobacco level. It's just not the way it is because the people that do this work, they're in the factory. They're in the fields, right? I mean... It's just kind of the way it is. It's funny we had a we had a cigar last year on our list, and uh, and we had mentioned the wrapper, and when we went into talking about the cigar, I had mentioned that oh, I, like I'm very surprised. Oh, that I remember it, this. It is this wrapper because I I don't feel that it had those classic flavors, but it was still a great cigar, obviously. And um, everywhere we checked media wise, this is the wrapper it had on. And then from the source, we were told. Yeah, you guys were totally wrong about that rapper. That's not the rapper. And we're like, they were like, why are you telling people that's the rapper? I'm like, dude, like we literally ch checked like five other 
accredited media sites and every single one of them also had it listed as this rapper <laughs> and like i was like you know you guys are probably the ones to blame you probably sent out the press release wrong and now everyone just or maybe one guy put out the wrong press release and everyone's copying it off them so but it, it's the guy writing the press release is not the guy that actually knows anything about the tobacco yeah it's like, <laughs> and like i said you know have your palate have your nose really tell you because at the end of the day it's what you like it's not really what matters what's on there because they said we like we like the cigar either way and it was just funny that i was just like oh this isn't i'm very surprised this doesn't it's, it didn't taste at all like but it, it was very different i think it was i think we said it was broadleaf on there but it ended up being just a a uh, slightly darker Habano. I don't actually remember what the the wrapper leaf was. I remember, that. we thought it was. I think we thought it was broadleaf. Yeah, it was. I don't LF, remember. It was an it LFD was cigar. LFD. And then I was talking to Carney, and he was like, "It's funny." He goes, "Everyone on every website is listed it as broadleaf, and it's not even broadleaf." Yeah. And yeah. I was like, "Oh, really?" And I don't remember what do I. Yeah, I, I don't, don't remember, remember what, what the was, actual wrapper was. But I think it was. I remember everyone had it as broadleaf, and I went. Hatfield I even looked. If Hatfield makes a mistake and they just publish something wrong, they don't copy and paste over a field, and then you know dozens of websites go to them as the as the bible for the references to oh this is what it is, and then it just ends up populated everywhere. Yeah. But, in the end, it is what it is. <laughs> it the is most interesting response is. is Steve's out. In the end, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, Steve, another question for you, and we're going to wrap this up soon. But uh, so this might be this might be the last audience question that we bring up. But um, one of the announcements you made recently, you know, you talked about the Sober Mesa line and all that, but you also right. mentioned that you were going to be discontinued the Cervantes Fino. Uh, yes. And the question is, will Steve ever bring that back? Yes, and I'll milk you for more money. <laughs> Good. Yeah, actually, I've already, I've actually already reblended the Cervantes Fino a little bit um, to make it a little bit more robust, and I, I have, a, I have plans for that for 2025. Now, is that why this was not part of the box transition and all that, and it was kind of discontinued because you already yes. have plans to change? I want, I want, I want to make a change to it. And I want to, I want to elevate the cigar. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just part of the, part of it too is I can only have four skews at this point, you know, with the success of Sober Mesa Brulee, if you got, if you got four Sober Mesa Brulees, a Brulee Blue, and now a Wagashi, and you have eight sizes of regular Sober Mesa, uh, good God, is the retailer going to give me a whole wall? of your sober Mesa boxes, they're not, you know what I mean? So in order for the health of the brand, you have to start making decisions and saying, okay, what are the ones that my purveyors do the best with? What are the ones that most of the consumers smoke? So whereas Cervantes Fino is my personal favorite, it's the least seller of the line. Again, it's because of the size. It's six and it's like six by 46, six and a quarter by 46, right? So it's one of these kind of weird, strange sizes. It's not, you know, it doesn't help the Lancero geeks out because it's just way too big, right? And it's way too skinny for, you know, 95% of the market, right? So it's one of these peculiar kind of sizes that even though it's an exceptional cigar, it gets lost, which then means, 
you know, only a limited number of retailers decide to stock it on their shelf because even though it's one of the best ones, it just doesn't turn the way the El Americano turns or the way the Robusto Largo turns. So um, I think for the long-term health of it, it's better to pull it out. I wanted to make a few tweaks to it anyways. I wanted to kind of get it more in the um, short Churchill kind of strength profile. Okay. And then I'll reintroduce it in, uh, in 2025. So that for the, for the consumers that really want it. Okay. That appreciate it. Then they'll, it'll be very easy for them to force their retailer to carry it. Cause then it'll be a unique differentiated skew much like, cause look, sober Mesa brulee blue. If it wasn't brulee blue and it was just another size of sober Mesa brulee, it would be a dog retail. It just would. Yeah. I mean, it's, the are... fact that, it's the fact that it has that blue band, which lets the retailer explain the story, lets the consumer that's into those kind of formats identify it, zero in on it, try it. It helps to connect the market. It helps to connect the consumer with the cigar in a way that if it's just buried in the line, it would get lost in the line. And retailers go, no, 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 man, come on. Toro Robusto Gordo, dude. I, I don't need this skinny shit. Why are you trying to tell me this crap? Right. 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 But Sober Mesa Brulee Blue, and it's special, and it's unique, and it's clearly identifiable, and it's easy for the consumer that likes that style cigar to express to their retailer that they want that particular cigar, then, yes, it's viable. You know what I mean? But that same cigar, just as Sober Mesa Brulee with the same brown band in the box, guarantee you, I would sell one twentieth of what I sell in Sober Mesa Brulee Blue. It's very interesting. And you know, these are the conversations that I feel like a lot of consumers don't hear a lot about because it's a lot of the times it's, oh, this is what's coming out. This is what it is. Sometimes you get the, hey, we're not making this anymore. And sometimes there's a deep explanation, but a lot of the times it's just a simple like, oh, well, we have to cut back on some stuff or whatever. But they don't really know Most of the people that why. you talk to are the people that make the decisions. Right. Okay. Right. And, and most people don't like to share these kind of thoughts out loud. Because they feel as though they're like some sort of like proprietary secret into the mind of. Here, here's what I have learned over the last 30 years of kicking everyone's ass. They don't pay attention. Okay. <laughs> if they would pay attention, okay, they could learn so much, but they don't. Okay. They just simply don't. So you can say it out loud and it just doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh, but it's just, yeah. I mean, they don't. just think about Drew Estate for a second. How is it that you go from this shitty little company doing a few million dollars a year in business that eight years later, you're the largest manufacturer of handmade cigars in Nicaragua? How does that occur? Okay. That occurs because all those people that are all the big dogs, they don't give you a second thought they just look at you like you're a moron you're an idiot you don't know what you're doing who cares about them they're they'll be gone tomorrow you know what i mean they don't know anything right so it's the it's their it's their i don't even know complacency 
stupidity, laziness, hubris. I don't know what it is, but there's no way that General and Altidus and these big companies should have ever let Drew Estate become the monster that Drew Estate became. Okay. I mean, they should have been fighting us tooth and nail. Okay. But they didn't. They were just very just, dis- oh, those are the wacky tobacco flavor guys. They don't know what they're doing. No one's ever going to smoke that Liga Pravada. It's too expensive. Plus, nobody wants a real cigar from the acid guys. I mean, this is the way they think. I mean, and then they, and then they got all these brand managers with all these sophisticated marketing degrees and all these like PowerPoint presentations and all of these graphs and all this demographic study and boom, boom, boom. And they're paying these guys six figures to tell them what the consumer wants. And not a single fuck one of them is actually a real cigar smoker. Okay. Yeah, they smoke cigars, but they're not really cigar people. You know what I mean? Of course. I, I mean, they just aren't. And, and God bless them, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Right? God, I mean, God bless them. God yeah, bless them. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I mean, because it's just, it's, it's crazy to me. So, I explain so much of what my strategies are and what my thought patterns are and why I do things just out loud on these podcasts, just posting on Facebook all the time. They don't pay any attention. They don't care. Yeah. You just keep no. grinding, Steve. You'll just, you know, you'll just, <laughs> just keep on going. You'll get there. You'll get there. They're like, oh, what happened with Steve Saka? He got big. I don't know. We didn't think he was shit. Well, apparently, apparently they were wrong. Um, no, but no, I just, my point was, I just, I think these conversations are great. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people enjoy listening to you on these shows or your interviews in general is because, you know, you are so open about information that I think you're right. A lot, a, a lot of times doesn't get shared. Um, and it really helps the consumer understand you know, why things are the way they are, why decisions get made, why certain cigars stop getting made and vice versa and all that stuff that, you know, some people, you know, answer those questions, but they answer them, you know, diplomatically or or politically, you know. um, Because they have bosses that they're afraid that, yeah, I can't believe you said that out loud. Of course. How could you tell somebody that? Yeah, You know what I mean? And then then they end up in trouble. Me, who's going to fire me? It's me. You know what I mean? Of course. So that, that also makes it easier. It's one of the reasons why I do mostly my, look, I don't do a great job at social media. Uh, you know, like I should have one of those, you know, pro programs that like posts on a schedule and I should have all sorts of content. I should be making videos and doing some sort of fucking TikTok chicken dance and all this other crap. <laughs> I don't have time to do that. Right. I can't do it. But, but I mean, you could, you but your I, cigars might suck. Right, but when you do when you when you are when you write stuff online or you publish something or you say something, there's always repercussions to it. There are gonna be some people that hear it and it's gonna piss them off. There's gonna look there's gonna be a retailer that heard something I said tonight and they're like, fuck that guy. I'm not carrying his cigars anymore. I guarantee you. But after you can say, Man, I can't believe you said that in the podcast. It's just the way it is, you know. And when you're that social media person that's twenty seven years old, right? You just end up losing your job, right? And that's what ends up happening is everything just becomes very vanilla and very plain and very safe. You know what I mean? Because what what can they do? They can't do that because they'd lose their jobs in a heartbeat. 
Of course. I'd lose my job. If I worked for me, I would fire me. I know that. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. But, you know, you can say whatever you want because you are the boss. And I think also saying you're bad at social media isn't necessarily true. And like you just said, you're better you're than not most. You're not necessarily in the vanilla category of it. If anything, you outshine everyone because you actually take the time to write something and you you personally are are there answering it you're not you know you can tell it's not just like oh steve stock is posting another post at tuesday on at 2 30 again every tuesday that automatically does it's you know sometimes you you know sometimes you go a week and there's not a single post from you and usually that's because you're in nicaragua and then all of a sudden two weeks later you show up and then it's like uh, it's 17 notifications it's like a whole damn day an hour. on facebook Right, endlessly. Right? It's like, exactly. So yeah, no, it's, it, it does. It does depend on what I'm doing at the given time. The nice thing about so, like, I like Facebook because I like to talk and I like to write, and it's something that I can just do quickly. You don't on say. My phone. And whereas, like, when you talk about like Instagram, that requires videos and that requires music and that requires editing and that requires a whole skill set that I just don't have, you know what I mean? So my, my interaction on there is much, much lower than Facebook, but regardless of what everybody tells you, there's more cigar consumers on Facebook today than they are on any of the other platforms, at least the buying market, right? Because it's an age thing. <clears throat> Most hardcore cigar smokers are, you know, they're 40 years old and up. They're much more a Facebook crowd than they are an IG crowd. Okay. Yeah. Now, as time marches along, it'll change. Okay. Eventually, the biggest consumer base for cigars will be on TikTok. 20 years from now, TikTok even around. We don't have World War III with the Chinese and it all gets banned, but whatever. You know what I mean? But these things, these things will progress. But I know, and, and if you talk to the retailers <clears throat> who are engaged in all these different medias, they will tell you that their best connectivity and returns still come out of Facebook and not out of the other things. Yeah, you get a lot more likes. You get a lot more followers the other way. But how many actual paying invested, vested consumers do you get, right? That is still in the Facebook realm, okay? It won't always be that way, um, but it is today. And that's good for an old guy like me. Because I'm just much more comfortable in the Facebook environment than the others. I'm not. A, I'm not a video guy. I'm not. I'm not attractive. I, I. I just the whole thing. Now these are skills that somewhere along the way, I'm going to have to improve. I'm going to probably so at some point if the company keeps growing, I'm going to have to hire someone and maybe not let them run my social media, but. I need to, I can't have someone offsite. I've tried it a couple, three times now to hire a third party who doesn't work at the company to generate content. And it just ends up just kind of like just nonsense. You know what I mean? It's like seven pictures of a sober Mesa, close up, far away, twisted to the side with some sort of tick -tock, pop, 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 pop kind of music. And it's a reel and boom. You know what I mean? It's just like, who gives a fuck? It just doesn't, <laughs> it just doesn't, you know. It just doesn't convey anything. It doesn't tell the consumer anything about the product. It doesn't give them a reason why they should try it, why they may like it. And that's the other thing too, is like when I write about these cigars, 
I try very hard to describe them in a way that's an honest description. And, I, and you'll see, I'll write things. I'll say, hey, if you like this, you'll probably like this. If you don't like this, then this probably isn't your cup of tea. Hey, if you're going to buy Stillwell Star, don't ever buy a whole box. If you've never tried Stillwell Star, buy one or two singles of each. Try them. You have to go into it with an open mind. This is not a cigar for everybody. You know what I mean? That is not a normal sales pitch by a cigar company, right? Everything is the best. It's the greatest. It's the this. It's the that. You know what I mean? So I try really hard to steer people into the products that I think are going to make the most sense for them because that's the return that I want. I want them to become loyal customers. And if I know this guy smokes A, B, and C, and none of them are this brand, why am I recommending a brulee for this guy to try? Yeah, if you ever get around to it, give brulee a go, see if you like it. But if you don't normally smoke milder Connecticut shade cigars, yeah, brulee is not the place to start with Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. It just simply isn't. You know, I'd much rather you start on something that I think has a chance of suiting what your current palate's likes and dislikes are, because that's in my own best interest as a company to get the consumer connected to the right product. And even when you like look at our website, we have a very simple website, but you'll notice on our website, it probably has the most detailed information of almost any cigar website. Okay, now it doesn't have the ingredient disclosures at high detail, but it has to do with the whole FDA thing. And you know, I don't know where that's ultimately gonna end up with ingredient disclosures. So I had to start cutting that back, but the flavor notes are pretty spot on. The strength level estimates are pretty spot on. The, the description of what the product is like are pretty spot on. You know what I mean? And most websites you go to, they don't give you any description at all. It's just, this is our newest, greatest, latest, whatever. Boom, 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 wrapper. Boom, 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 binder. Boom, boom, boom. Here are the sizes. With like no details about what the cigar tastes like, how it smokes, how strong it is, you know, no story of why the brand even exists other than to take your money. I mean, what's the purpose of it? Why is it worth taking your money? So I, I try very hard to give people a lot of consumer information in order for them to make their buying decisions based on, which oddly enough is actually one of the reasons why we tend to do well with some of the younger, newer consumers because they tend to be more research oriented. So you can go and you can find out a lot about our cigars because there is so much detailed information to look up and to dig into. And that, and that makes it a more appealing product for them too. I would say there's a lot of truth to that. And again, to on a, in a, uh, in a nod to what I said much earlier in the show, um, that we've talked about a lot over the last couple of years um, that in the last couple of years, um, especially younger generations, like people Mitch in my age um, and even sli slightly older too, um, they're a lot more in tune with, you know, research and, and so everything, everything digital on, and they, and they, and they're a little more educated now when they go into shops. Everybody bags on millennials, right? It's easy. Okay. Let's, Let's just leave the Gen Zers out of it right now because they don't even count because they're not even spending money yet. But let's but sure. millennials. The thing that I love about millennials, which is perfect for a company like us, is that they tend to research everything before they buy it. They try to read about it. They try to learn about it. They try to dig in. They try to find out about it. They look at ratings. They look at reviews. True. They look yep. at top lists. 
They look at the company's website. They see what information is there. They look at whatever, whether it be Reddit or a Facebook social group or a Discord. They, they talk about these things. And, and for us, we're a great brand for them because we're giving all this information out there. Okay. So it's there for them to look at, digest, read about, identify things that, you know, notice like when I write something, I'll mention these little details about Nakatamali being a farm style cigar, very unique. They don't make cigars like this anymore. Cigars we make now are five, seven different tobacco types. Nakatamali is two tobaccos, same tobacco for the wrapper and binder. The entire filler is all from one farm. You only have two farms involved in it. This is a very traditional way of making cigars that was very common back in the 70s and 80s. It was kind of like towards the tail end of the boom, this kind of show. There's a lot of like mainstay brands in the marketplace that people love today that literally have three tobaccos in them. Okay. Now it doesn't get published that way because consumers demand for there to be complexity. So ways complexity is you just by listing, there's a lot of shit in it. Okay. But the reality is there's a lot of very long-standing, absolutely great cigar blends that are at the top of their market that are really relatively simple blends, but they're simple blends made out of really good materials that are really worked well, that are put together well. Okay. Look, lobster and butter work. That's two things, right? If you don't undercook it, you don't overcook it. You don't scorch the butter. You don't separate the butter. You do it right. You have an amazing thing to eat. You know what I mean? So it doesn't have to have seven things in order to make it viable. Okay. So, and I think that's one of the things. So Naka tamale is one of my favorite muestras. There's two tobaccos in a, in a Naka tamale. That is it. The whole cigar. Back to basics. Back. I, I was, I was waiting to make sure Steve was going to add. I want I, I wait now when you finish talking, I wait because I don't want to. Oh, I'll just keep talking. I know, but I also <laughs> like, I wait. I'm like, all right, before I interject. Um, Still your thunder. Yeah, back to basics, you know. Uh, and I bet you there's a lot of people that don't even realize that about, you know, the tobaccos, the amount of tobaccos. And, and you know, I, I to be honest with you, I, it's something I, I, I know about. But to I, I think back and it's like it's not something we really talk about. And, um, like, all the shows we've done, I mean, that's a, that's a very interesting topic. And now I'm actually thinking about it, and I, I want to try to expand on that maybe on the spare note show. But yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of good information out there, and in millennials for for sure, um, much more data oriented. Uh, also, with data in this day and age, comes with technology, and every millennial for sure um, has a phone, a computer, and social media. I mean, virtually, there's you know they have everything they need right there to learn anything they could about anything they wanted to. Um, so for sure, the, the consumer base is much more educated nowadays. Uh, and, and speaking to retailers, I, I know I've heard that they're talking about, Hey, you know, we're getting younger people coming in. They're much more in tune. They, they, they kind of know what they want. They, they come in looking for stuff. We don't really have to direct them. They kind of like, I already know what I want. But you also see it with retailers. So Jay, Jay was watching. I don't know if he's still yep. watching. Can't tell. But Jay is a tobacconist. He educates his consumers about what they're smoking. Right. He pays attention to what's happening in the marketplace. He conveys that information. There's many retailers that just sit on their ass and just buy products that are out of a distributor catalog. They have no interaction with the manufacturer. They never watch a podcast. They never open a half wheel article. They don't do anything. 
They flip through Cigar Aficionado because it gets sent to their shop for free. You know what I mean? They are so disconnected from the industry and the products and what's currently happening. And you see it in the in the makeup of their shops. And they sit around and they bitch constantly about, oh, business isn't good. The internet's ruining my business. Boom, 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 boom. It's nonsense. They're ruining their businesses. They're just not staying up with the trends. They're not engaged with the industry. They're not paying attention to what consumers are interested in. They're not providing customer service. They're not providing the education. And even more importantly, the curation of connecting their customer with a product that makes sense for that particular customer. Because Dunbarton is not going to be perfect for everyone. Okay, there's different customers for different products. And if you are an engaged tobacconist, this is what your job is, is to connect the two and for the guy to feel good when he gives you his money so that he doesn't feel as though, oh, I'm going to go online because I can get it for $15 cheaper here because my guy doesn't do anything. So I might as well save the 15 bucks. Right. <laughs> right. Honestly. Yeah, no. yeah. And if you just feel like you're walking to a freaking 7-Eleven. OK, well, yeah. Why wouldn't I go down the street to buy my milk? Okay, if it's a dollar cheaper a gallon down the street, of course I am. But if I got a guy that knows about the cows, knows about the milk, knows I got these eight different brands of milk, and this one's a little creamier, and this one's a little lighter, and this one's from grass-fed cows, and this, you know what I mean? When you provide this extra service to your customer, and particularly with your age group, it's even more important because you guys actually give a fuck about this stuff. You pay attention to it. So yeah, your people, your people are more like, yeah, just give it to me and let's go. (laughs) (laughs) I guess not that that's a bad thing, but you know, it's just not really how it is anymore. So, but no, all good points. All good points, Steve. It's, you know, every time we get to talk, there's so much that comes out, you know, and it's, it's all good information too. And I I mean that it's, I'm not like, you know, being, it's true. I mean, you, you bring up a lot of topics that don't normally get brought up. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think, like you said before, you're the only one that actually kind of has the balls to say things or gives a shit about certain topics. I also think most people in my business don't think about it. That's true too. They just don't give the time. Yeah, you just you give a fuck. I don't, I don't think that they even understand their customers. Here's a comment here. I, I, think, I think they don't understand their product, nor do they understand their customer. A lot of them. I really, I'm sorry, but it's just the way it is. There's a comment here. A place where I bought my first cigar in Denver refused to evolve. After the boom died down, the big brands lost steam and boutique brands became more popular. They shuddered. Sad. But guys got to stay with it to be a real tobacconist. Well, and you know, to, to be fair as well, as it's not just the cigar industry. You see it in the beer industry. Even now, the bourbon industry, it's... Like you said, it's a it's a generational thing that's starting to take influence into the market, and uh, so many industries are now are now feeling that change, feeling that shift in how consumers want to consume a product and to know about a product for sure. Particularly when these products are so much more expensive than they used to be, yeah. you want to make a more conscientious buying decision. You know, heck, when cigars used to be $2 a piece, who gives a flip, right? But now when you're looking at the average price on the shelf being $12, well, you know what? Yeah, I, I want a little extra kissy-kissy with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, just, I just do. I mean, it, it's just, it needs to, and this is the thing, you know, particularly when I have this whole price conversation, 
I always point to these retailers that there are retailers in some pretty high tax states that have managed to grow some very successful businesses that are on the grow. Okay. And they are climbing. They're not just fighting the internet prices. They're fighting their own state. You know, 25, 40%, 60%, 70%. But yet they have viable growing retail shops because they're providing something to their customer that's just more than the sum of its parts. Exactly. Jay Davis is still here, and he said some people just whine and complain. Steve's right. We don't have a website, and we do just fine because we spend the time with our customers when they enter the store. And we ship all over the world because of word of mouth, and we spend time with those customers over the phone and Internet. Not against having a website, just not there yet. Yeah. Fair point. Websites aren't cheap, I'll tell you that. We're uh we're we're approaching one of our if not the longest regular time show ever. We're approaching the the coop three hour mark and uh, yeah. you know we're getting into coop everybody, territory. Thank you everybody for sticking around, but uh, you know I think we're I think we're getting close to wrapping it up here. And, I'm willing to uh, tap out. Yeah, you know you you brought up some amazing <laughs> points, and I think everyone learned about most of all of your your cigars tonight. You know, uh, new stuff, old stuff. And Steve really uh, earned his lunch things, tonight. This was this things, was good. Things that are going to be coming out. <laughs> he yeah. gave us way more than people normally do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Do you want to take us out, Matt? Yeah. No. I mean, Steve. I mean, look. I mean, we, he's. I didn't even look at the time. It's yeah. We're we're getting there. Um. You know, and I know we could go on forever, but. Um, you know, all, all good things must come to an end. So I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up the show soon, but, uh, first of all, I think it's so important for me to say is thank you. Thank you for being here and thank you for all your right. time. I, I know you're a busy guy. Yeah, but I'm not too busy for this. What was I going to do anyways? Yeah. Let's get up. Smoke cigars and drink, uh, yeah, I gotta, <laughs> drink some whiskey. I got, I got, I think, I, I think I got some back episodes of Survivor to watch or some nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now, I'm like in season 14 still or something <laughs> <laughs> the reruns <laughs> the uh i hope i the other thing i do is i hope that you feel better about your time on the smoke and tobacco show i hope this was a a rewarding experience this time for you i felt personally. more animated so i think that was good i think you were more animated because you yeah. know what you didn't have to reserve the energy for the later effect you were just like this is it let it out so Ah, it was good. This was good. A lot of good, a lot of good points got brought up too. This was a, uh, this was a fun show. But Steve, just you know, stay with us as we end the show. Don't leave us yet. Um, everyone who's watching and listening at home, thank you very much. We appreciate it. We can't be here without you. So thank you very much. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're new to this show. We hope you stick around. Don't forget to like and like and subscribe everywhere you can get your podcast on all the podcast apps: Apple, Google, Spotify. Dude, you're supposed to say that at the beginning before you lose viewers. I know, I know, but you know what, Steve? We we got one one, dude. And I and I'm shitty at this gig. You know what, Steve? You're right. The like and subscribe pitch, like right from the beginning. You're right, Steve. <laughs> Fucked up in front of Steve. Damn it! <laughs> all my dreams. Have been broken now. Um, <laughs> and as always, don't forget to go to smokeandtobacco.com. That's right, the brand new and improved smokeandtobacco.com for more news, reviews, and updates from the cigar industry. That's going to do it for our show this week with Steve Saka. We'll see you next week. Take care. Have a good night.
Thank you for spending your time with us at Smokin' Tobacco. Please remember to like and subscribe for more episodes and content. And as always, visit SmokinTobacco.com for news and updates from the cigar industry.